Hello, everyone. This is episode eight of the Stronghold Podcast, and I'm here with Major Overall. He's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, and he's the head coach of Team Highlight Reel here in Singapore. He's an old friend. What's up, dude? Not much, man. What's going on? Ready to do some podcasting? Let's do it, bro. I know as soon as I started this podcast, I had to get you on immediately, because even back in the old days when we were both fighting and more fit than we are now and drank <laughs> less than we do now, we would just talk and talk and talk, and it would always be about fighting and training. And, you know, when you get people who really know their shit, you can go on for hours about just talking about minute details and the training and stuff. So I knew straight away you were a guy I had to get on the podcast. Yeah, for sure. And I was thinking, like, even some of those conversations, like, dude, why didn't we record this? I know. Like, people need to know this, you know? <laughs> like, people would, would enjoy this information, you know? Especially I mean? the people within the scene. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And it's really interesting, man, watching you specifically over the years because, you know, when we first met, I was a coach at Trifecta and you were a coach at Juggernaut. Yeah. And then since then, I've seen you open up your gym and I've seen your gym expand and I've seen, I mean, you're doing really well. You've done really well for yourself. So to see you go from that role to then opening your own place and watching you get your black belt and then from the days where, you know, we're training together and then cornering you in fights and then now you run your own academy and you're cornering people and the whole process from when we met to where we are now and then we also opened up our own gym it's just fucking cool man yeah yeah it's cool you know we started we started low yeah and then it feels like even though it's a struggle that we're working our way up and we kind of i feel like we're at the same spot throughout going through this process right we were purple belts at the same time yep. we were brown belts at the same time we opened up a gym within a year ish of each other so it was it's pretty fucking cool man you were you're a dude that's been there with me so yeah i really enjoy watching your success and seeing what you're doing so for sure i had to talk to you that's awesome, man. Yeah. So how's it, man? You're in your second location now? Third? Yeah, yeah I just moved around the corner, so I got a little bit bigger of a place. I wanted to have two floors because I feel like um, – I was starting to feel like it would make more sense to have, like, a specialized room for each thing, you know, like a grappling room. Uh, I wanted to keep the walls padded, but I wanted to have heavy bags at the same time, so I thought, like, maybe I could do two rooms and run concurrent classes, and so that's what I've been doing, like, the last year. We, we moved, like – Maybe a year ago, yeah. Yeah, I haven't been to your new spot since you since you moved because I've only been back in Singapore for six months or something like right. that. So I haven't got to check out your new spot. But even your old place, dude, it just like dripped your style, yeah. which I always like. Because one thing I really related to you as well is that I always felt you were kind of offbeat, which I really liked. Like your sense of humor and just the way that you talk about shit. And then when I walked into your gym, I could just see it. I right. could see it in the gym. I went to your gym and we did some questionable activities. <laughs> yeah. It can't be mentioned in public. <laughs> right, but let's right. just say we had a good time. Yeah. And uh, I, as soon as I walked in, it just had your personality, which as I get into gym ownership, I start to realize that those things that make you unique start to be your selling point. And right when I walked in the gym, I could just see that, like, this is Major's place. I can see that here, too. Like, your place, this is very much. And it's funny because I think we have, like, a lot of the same idiosyncrasies. Like, like the sign that you have right there about the sugary drinks, I was like, Dude, this is this is my boy right here. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Like no sugary drinks, they attract ants. Like you have a that's sign how you get ants. that says that. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I told Charmaine she just needs to put a picture of Archer. It's that Archer meme. That's how you get ants. That's how you get ants. You yeah, just yeah. need to post it up there. But yeah, and we got this big fucking image. You know this? Everybody asked me about this because it looks kind of ridiculous about the the mural in the back. And basically, we just paid a an artist to do some kind of martial arts logo. We told him the name of the gym, and we said we wanted that to be martial arts inspired mm -hmm. and that we wanted it to attract kids because you know i mean we're in horse city it's just families and kids walking by here and that's our key demographic especially being in this area is that you know it's like most of our customers are dads 
and their, their kids training or the moms and the kids and the dads will come in and train after the kids and they all just like sit there and play video games and shit. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is basically just Ryu inspired Street Fighter art, right? That right. some dude spray painted on the thing. So yeah, we just wanted something kind of weird, something offbeat, something that the kids would be attracted to. And <laughs> yeah, I, I always feel like we have that, that connection. Yeah, I think what's more important, like especially with, you know, like people walking by, like foot traffic and stuff like that, you don't have to necessarily be full-on MMA or full-on jiu-jitsu or full-on whatever. As long as what you have in the window makes them say, hey, what's that? Then you've, then you've got a curious person. You know, you've got a potential person to walk in the door. Yeah, even the, you know, I was having this conversation with you earlier. Like, there's a lot of gyms in Singapore. Yeah. There's a lot of places that you can go to train. The market here is pretty well saturated, I would say. I mean, especially now. Compared to when we started doing martial arts in Singapore, yeah. back when we were purple belts and early brown belts and all that kind of shit, the game has changed. Like, do you remember going to the, the like the Southeast Asian grappling events, like when you were at Juggernaut and I was at Trifecta, and the list of gyms was like seven or eight. It's yeah. like everybody came from these few gyms. It's like Juggernaut, Trifecta, Evolve, Singapore BJJ, Fight G. I'm getting pretty close to maxing out the list. Impact. Impact. Yeah. Yeah pretty close right that's about it there might be a couple more like random ones that i'm forgetting but that was about it now you go to these tournaments and there's so there's a three or four new gyms every single time that i go seems to be right i can't even keep track of it yeah there's just so many gyms i feel like there's even more gyms than the 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 gyms that have competitors that's just a small subsect of gyms now there's like a bunch of gyms maybe they have a jiu-jitsu class twice a week and it's a krav maga gym or it's an aikido gym and they, they have a jiu-jitsu class where it's a judo gym and they have a jiu-jitsu class once a week or something like that there's probably i mean if you count in those gyms there's probably 100 gyms there's in the a country. boxing gym in Sembawang that just started doing jiu-jitsu classes it's trendy yeah it's trendy yeah and yeah you get those like well, do you do class pass yeah, yeah, yeah is that something you do yeah so we get those class pass people all the time and it's kind of annoying because like i mean it's cool because it gets people in the door mm-hmm. but all of those people just train at a bunch of different places they kind of just yeah. i mean i guess it's a good technology to have because some people will just be in another part of town and they want to get a workout in, so they want to drop into some gym and they just click it on ClassPass or something like mm-hmm. that. But the problem with that is, is then they don't have a consistent instructor. So yeah. I get some of these people that do ClassPass and I'm like, where have you trained? And they're like, oh, I did a class at Impact and I did a class at Evolve and then I did a class here and I did a class here and then I went there and I'm like, and? Like, why? why? He's like, oh, because I'm going here and then I'm going there and I'm like, you haven't found one place that you just kind of want to train at? Because I feel like you miss a little bit of the whole thing if you don't have an instructor to teach you. Well, see, but they don't know what they're missing. Yeah, that's what I mean. They, don't, they, they, they might as well be doing like yoga classes at random studios off a of Groupon, right? For, for their experience, they're, they're not really taking in the whole thing. I think it really takes like a few months to feel that camaraderie of a team, to feel that relationship between you and a coach, to feel that, that kind of growth that you get when you, when you have a family, like a second family like that, and that camaraderie, you know what I mean? Like of, of just the whole thing coming together. But yeah. If you're just popping in and out, you'll never know, I guess. Well, I tell, <clears throat> I tell everybody that, you know, the skills pay the bills, right? The skills are what get people in the door. Right. So people want to train. They want to do jujitsu. They want to do Muay Thai, whatever the case is. Yeah. That's what gets them in the door. But the community is what gets them to stay. Yeah, that's so true. So if, if you don't have that solid community, that reinforcing thing. I mean, I'm at us, right? We've done jujitsu. I've done it for 15 years. I started when yeah, I was same. 16, right? That's when I did my first jujitsu class, and I wrestled before that. If, you, if I think to... How do you maintain training for 15 years and even longer if you want to train your whole life, if you want to make it an actual lifestyle without a good community, it's just not going to happen. There is no way 
the pure interest of the skill alone is going to get you through years of grindy training where you don't want to come in. You've got this thing, this work sucks. Your boss is yelling at you. You didn't want to come in that day. You got injured. After your injury, you don't know if you want to come back because you're nervous. If you don't have those extenuating uh, circumstances, that, that, that extended family, those people that you know are training and that sucks you back in and that brings you in through the anxiety and the stress and the injuries and life. And I feel like if you don't have a good solid community, it's very hard for the average person to maintain that over a lifetime. Yeah, but you know what? A lot of times you move around, you move places and everything. I think the lifestyle is what kind of keeps you around. I mean, maybe like for those first two belts, you know, white, blue, maybe, maybe even into purple, having a, a group of friends around is what keeps you coming back. But then I think even if you were to leave wherever you are and move across the world, you know, like when I, when I travel, I go to Europe, right? Sometimes uh, I'll stop in a gym and I've got friends instantly. We don't even have to speak the same language. We can communicate with, through jujitsu. And they're going to invite me out for food. We may not be able to talk to each other, but we'll enjoy each other's company. You know what I mean? They'll know that I'm a nice guy because I didn't crank the arm bar or, or whatever. You know, I wasn't going too hard or something like that. We can communicate without, without uh, having to even speak. But, uh, yeah, I think that's probably definitely um, what keeps people for over the, the longest of long term. You know, for the guys like us, like we're not with the same people we started with, obviously, right? We're on the other side of the world, yeah. but we're still doing it. Why? Because the lifestyle, we make friends through this. I made friends with you through this. I saw you at an open mat one day, and I was like, "Dude, I like rolling with you. Let's do it some more." Bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and we've sure. been like best friends ever since, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It's the well, I would, I would make an argument. That's the community. Yeah, it's the broader sense of the community, yeah, yeah, the not the sense. specific sense. Yeah. And I mean, you know, a lot of people don't even know this about me because ever since I, when I came to Singapore, I was a teacher, yeah. and then I trained at Evolve and stuff, and then after that, I started working in back in martial arts. But before this, I went to school. I was an actor. And that was what I did for school. That's what I studied in, my degrees in drama. Like, and, you know, I went to a New York film academy, essentially, right? And the reason that I didn't stick with that wasn't because I didn't find the work interesting. was because the people, the community was just so different than what I liked. It was just so self-serving. The people were generally pretentious. Like, it didn't mean that they weren't, there weren't cool people within that community, but it was the overall uh, community that I felt was just very self-serving and all of the problems were so surface essential that it just drove me crazy. And even though I think a, uh, like a home gym is important, it's in my experience the broad martial arts community that's always fucking cool. If I go to, if I go, same thing, if I go to Europe, if I go to America, if I want to find friends, I go to the jujitsu gym. Right away, yeah. Because, and because everywhere you go, those people are fucking cool, generally speaking. Yeah. So, it's not the specific, the local community, but it's the broad global community that I find the coolest people are training martial arts. Because they're even, they have cool jobs and they're nice and they're, they're struggling, right? Mm -hmm. That's the, their, their hobby. They're coming in after working eight hours a day. They've got maybe a couple kids and a wife at home that doesn't want them to be there. And you know, it's easy to get sucked in and go home, but they're here sweating and getting arm barred and choking shit in their free time. And the people that are willing to do that on the large scale are generally Fucking cool people, you know. Yeah. People who can who can swallow their ego every day, get choked out by a forty kilo girl. Yeah, in their spare time. <laughs> in their spare time, yeah, exactly. Right? They're, they're, maybe they're a CEO at some company, but they come in here and get choked out by some eighteen-year-old student. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, a beautiful thing, man. Yeah, but then they, they, how'd you do that, right? Yeah. The people who say how'd you do that, those are the keepers. Yeah, those are the keepers. Those are the ones who stay around. And yeah. Those are the ones worth keeping around, right? Yeah, and then you get into the point where your experience over time will lead to like friends like you and me, right? Yeah. Listen, if you can sit there and just geek out hardcore about martial arts with someone for two hours, 
that's a cool friend. Like, yeah, yeah, like for you're sure. Just like, yeah, I see it all the time. Like a lot of times I'll do class and then, you know, I want to go home because I'm here seven days a week and it'll be like 2.30 or 3 and we're already an hour over late and there's six people that won't shut the fuck up and go home. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Because they're interested in the techniques that they're learning and they're all swapping ideas. I mean, it's a beautiful thing to see. I'm kind of tongue in cheek when I'm saying I want to go home. Yeah. That's for sure a fact and happens. But yeah. a deeper part of me is like happy that they're so interested that they're staying an hour after class is finished and they're just showing each other shit and be like, no, you can't do this. And this is how you do this arm bar. And have you seen this technique? And that's, that's, cool. that's, that's where I feel like people really improve too, is when they're intrinsically motivated to learn. It's not just like being lazy and showing up and, and just kind of like half-ass doing whatever you you're showing that day. But when they're really kind of like taking it upon themselves or asking questions or staying after they're, they're feeding off of each other, you know, that's, that's what's, that's where I feel like people really make big big jumps yeah because i always say that like people will ask you how to do techniques and they want to memorize them yeah but memorization is the lowest form of understanding yeah like if you just memorize it it's it's not quite the same as like you're saying that organic Mm. interest and feel of doing it and if you get sucked into if you find a hobby that the time melts away and in your spare time when you normally be home doing you're just all of a sudden you teleport to an hour later and you realize that you've been talking about how to do an arm bar or showing this technique and that time's gone by and you don't even realize it happened. That's right. good shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's good shit. That's when we, that's when they're, you hit the flow state. <laughs> yeah. Right. You just boom, you pop into the flow state time, like just constricts and dilates and you can't even keep track of it. And then all of a sudden you've been in the gym for three or four hours. Yeah. That's, that's the goal for me is just to, that, that gym time. I think it's also like a good, um, outlet for a lot of these kids i think they're still like learning in school like like rote style like memorize this scantron this regurgitate this right and that's that's how they that's how they learn right or that's how they they're taught and so they they have no means to express themselves but when you have jiu-jitsu there's no set answer there's not like step one two three and four or a b and c it's okay these are the concepts that work find your own way yeah and and they can really express their creativity through that you know well, I like that about your, your students, too, because a lot of your students cross-train, and I tell my students often to go train with you if they're in that, that part of town. Yeah. So, you know, I think we both have you. You teach some of my old students, I know for a fact. Yeah. So they used to train with me, and then some of yours come here, which is cool. That's Martial arts should be an open door because I'm not a master at everything. Mm-hmm. I'm barely a master at anything. So, it's like, <laughs> you know, I just do some shit that works for me, and that's yeah. cool. But I know you get a lot of students here. Like, some of your students come here, and they like to play worm guard, mm-hmm. and they like to do foot locks, and they like to do all of the, you know, the knee bars and the heel hooks. And, and I like to do that stuff, too. Mm-hmm. But I don't claim to be an expert in that shit. Mm-hmm. But when your students come in and they start playing that game, you go to some coaches, they might tell you, hey, this doesn't work. Hey, this is not our style. Hey, this is not this mm-hmm. or this or this. But just because maybe I'm not a master at those techniques doesn't mean they're not cool. Everybody's style is different. Everybody's right. motivated by – they think other stuff is cool. And uh, I always like that about your students too is you see a wide variety of techniques. You don't tell them what they can and can't do, where they can and can't go. I mean, you know, I, you know you've trained with some of these Evolve kids, right? Yeah. That I'll, I'll do an open mat at the gym. Really cool kids will come in. I mean, I trained at Evolve for two years. Mm-hmm. I think it should just be an open-door policy, right? But then I'll get some kids to come in to train – and they'll sit here and train. They'll have a great time, but then they won't be in the picture because yeah, yeah. they don't want Evolve to see that they were training at another yeah, gym. Yeah. It could just be an open mat on a weekend on a public holiday or something, yeah. and they'll be like, no, 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 I can't be in the picture because yeah. they don't want, like, I don't know. I've like, been at several open mats where that's been the case. It's yeah. fucking creepy, right, yeah, when yeah. that happens. And it's just one of those things that you're like, dude, people don't own you. Like, it's good to train. It's good to go out. It doesn't mean that you're going to leave your gym or no one's trying to poach your students. Like, it's just – it should be an open door. Like, go yeah. here, train with these people, go there, go do that. You know, and I see that, and it's a little disappointing. It is what it is, though. <laughs> yeah. 
by the way, Major and I have easily 20 beers sitting over here in this cooler. Beers. So we got some work to do. I've already been drinking for an hour or two. So got some catching up to do then. So needless to say, this podcast might get a little sloppy. Yeah. You were just coming from a competition, right? Yeah, we did. What was it? The Bushido? Bushido competition? Man, I'm at a competition literally every weekend. Was I was it? at a competition last weekend. Where's the Bushido, 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 the Bushido tournament? Bushido, Bushido is, uh, they do it at Budok. Or at least that's where they did it t- today and the last time. So they it's gi and no gi. Today was a no gi day. It was kind of kind of a small turnout, but it was good. I, honestly, man, that tournament's like small tournaments are better than the huge ones that but have hundreds. The of efficiency people. of it, though, like I've been to small tournaments where the, you're, you're there all day. Like, bro, I was out of there by like one o'clock today. Was so. it uh, white through purple or? Oh man, there were black belts there. Really? Yeah, there were black belts, oh, brown belts. So the who way organized that, it? Um, it was the Sheridans. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're doing their own tournaments. Yeah, cool. But it's mostly, uh, if I'm not mistaken, from what, I, from what the parents tell me, it's mostly Simone and. Uh, the what's the daughter's name ellie ellie they do most of the operation stuff and then the parents just kind of advise them and like you know help them out here and there but that's that's really their gig and they do a really good job so they had white through black competitors yeah so the way the way they the way they uh, set it up was basically like beginner intermediate advanced Mm. so for the most part your beginner guys the white belts your intermediates are the blue belts and then purple through black Mm. your advanced guys but pretty good pretty good did you referee or are you just there coaching just there coaching Yeah, yeah yeah who's refereeing um, yeah, there was that guy, Tukum. Mm. He was over there. Ref- no, no, he wasn't refereeing. Sorry, he was scorekeeping. They had that, that I think they bring in refs from, uh, from overseas to keep it more impartial. They had that. No, that's good. What's that fellow's name? George? George? I don't know. Tall, tall Brazilian fella? Oh, I think I do know who you're talking yeah, about. No, actually, right. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, so that was this week. And then, what's the WLC? You were talking to me with the, before the podcast, the shirt you're wearing. Oh, yeah. You can World, shout it out. World, World Athlete Championship. Shout out to World Athlete Championship. Yeah. So that's another thing. That's one of my other side hustles, I guess. No, one of my other uh, hobbies. Headbutts, are, dude. Headbutts, bro. It's Headbutts awesome. is your side hustle, man. Yeah. <laughs> Headbutts are my side Martial hustle. Martial arts knows no limit. Yeah. So, yeah, that's so what that is. It's basically like Muay Thai. It's a style of Indo-Chinese kickboxing, a traditional style, right? But it's um, it's bare knuckle, so I'm on board with that. Less uh, less punches to the head, I guess. And th- and there's headbutts, but there's also slams, suplexes, in fact. Really? Yeah. And in oh, the f- I didn't know that. And in the first fight, I, wa- I I was watching the last event. The first fight, I was just judging that one, so I ref and judge. The first fight, I was judging. The guy gets picked up, gets the body lock, hips in, spikes the guy in the head, knockout. First, first fight of the night, knockout by slam. Shit. Yeah, so they so have... It's like a bit of combination of almost like Sanda and Muay Thai and head... Because if you can headbutt and suplex, I assume you can trip and everything too? It's Valley Tudo. It's, it's Valley Tudo minus without... the ground fighting. Minus the ground fighting, yeah, yeah. Valley Tudo minus the ground fighting. So, I mean, you can, you can strike the back of the head even. Really? Yeah, you can strike Damn, the back dude. of the head. You so can, you can just headbutt right in the fucking nose. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So it brain keeps, on brain. That's what I said before. Some it brain keeps, on brain it action. keeps people honest, bro. Is what Hell it, yeah, it does. does. Yeah. Like you can't really like your tie clinch doesn't really work the same mm. when people can slide up and headbutt you. Even your punches, like you know that old school boxing block where people punch for the chin, you just drop your forehead. Oh, where you're blading you're like your, that? Yeah, yeah. You'll break your hand if you try to punch the forehead. And yeah. if you're not wearing a glove and you're aiming for the chin or the nose and you just drop your head down, you catch that right in the skull, you easily break your hand. You know, you know what happens? And then though. you have to end up headbutting. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> all you got left. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. You know what happens, though, is, like, uh, the guys end up being much better at punching than they are at kicking. Which is not practical for... Well, no. As it, practical. No, because, I mean, punches can slide through. Yeah. This thing about well, Muay Thai, that's true. They're, they're, that's true. they're not as good at punching because they don't have to be. Mm. Like, there's no... 
you don't, they don't score well. If you, if you punch, it doesn't score well. If you punch, you, you're leaving yourself open to be clinched, be parried and elbowed, countered. You know, like it's hard to get into that range. Plus, it's the only thing on your body padded. Yeah. Right? So why would, you, why would you bother with it? Just kick, and if you get close, you clinch and throw elbows. But with this one, it's like, okay, we're not wearing gloves. Everything slides through, just like an MMA. Do they palm strike at all, or is it all, do they still close no, fists? No, it's all close fists. Do they wear the, the knuckle wrap? Yeah, the so there's, there's like a little bit of gauze there, uh. but... That's about it. Nothing, uh, nothing crazy. Protecting. I mean, it's so insane, dude. I've seen. We were talking about this just before. And I, listen, I'm not opposed to any of this shit. But the one, the thing that freaks me out that I see is the 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 knockout rule, where like in the traditional, that's way you get three minutes after you get knocked. Because my 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 beef with boxing is that it is more damaging to you long term. Mm. Because if I drop you and you get knocked, even if you're concussed, you get ten seconds to shake that shit off, wake yeah. up, and then get concussed more and those post concussive blows I think are the most dangerous when it comes to CTE and things like that and if you get two or three minutes I mean you can really shake the cobwebs off in two or three minutes but those yeah. what is there a drop is there a rule a knockdown rule like how many times you can do that okay so there is there's uh, okay so world lesway is more like a global version of the sport right so there's the traditional rules where they have like uh, the timeout rules what you're talking about mm. so what happens is you could actually be knocked out, like all the way out, and your corner would have like two minutes to wake you up, put shake you back, your legs, slap yeah, you in the face, and put get you, you back going in again. <laughs> yeah, they put you back in the fight, right? And it's happened before. I've seen some, I've seen a couple, I've seen a couple of fights where like one specifically, uh, two two versus Cyrus, Cyrus, shout out to Cyrus, one of my one of my old training partners. But Cyrus knocked two two out with like a spinning back elbow. He was sleeping, like he was licking the pavement, right? Oh god. 2-2's corner picked him up, shook him off, dusted him off. He knocked Cyrus down two times in the, in the fifth round, and then his corner threw in the towel. I mean, it's like, what a comeback, right? That's wow. super, super exciting. But, I mean, yeah. But who wants to take that kind of – that doesn't always work out that way. Ooh, doggy. I mean, that's a oh, – <laughs> yeah. that's a trade-off, that's, man. That's one Fuck. of the few times it works out that way. A lot of times it works out – Exactly the, how you think it would. <laughs> yeah, the other guy takes more damage. But, <laughs> exactly how uh, you think it would. WLC has done the smart move and cut that one out, you know? Yeah. Like, so they don't have that timeout rule. So, like, when you're, when you're out, you're out. It's over. Like, yeah. I mean, I do think that that's one of the few things that makes MMA safer than boxing, for example – is that most of the time, if, like, if I drop you, even if I get you with a good shot, there's usually no more than three to five follow-up strikes that will happen, right? If I follow you to the ground or it will lead to a submission. If you're really can cut knocked out, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're really knocked out, you, you know, you, you drop back, follow up a couple strikes, that's right. it. And I think that, you know, that, if, think of Tyson Fury when he fought Deontay Wilder. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, he, that was the 12th round, and he didn't take a lot of shots after that. But imagine if that happened in the fourth. I mean, he was flatlined, eyes rolled back in his head, gets up at nine and three-quarter seconds, and then could proceed to take another beating for hundreds of shots to the head. I've heard this argument before, but I, I honestly believe that the main difference between... Yeah, sure. The main difference between... Uh, yeah. The main difference between boxing and MMA is not really the fights. It's more the training. Because That's true. I'm thinking, like, I've had, bro, I've, I've probably had 20 fights in MMA. I've had over 20 fights in MMA. Not all of them are on record, but they happened. Right? <laughs> Somewhere they happened, right? And I think total ring time, I might have an hour. <laughs> I might yeah. have an hour in the ring. But I've got 15 years outside of the ring, in the gym, with heavyweights, with welterweights, with middleweights. Guys hitting me full power. And they're getting knocked out in the gym sometimes, too. Never got knocked out in a fight, but I got knocked out in the gym. Yeah. So, and then we know what happens. I wake back up, and I go again. So I think it's some of those old-school training methods – 
are, are what cause a lot of damage. And boxing is very Especially old school. Especially boxing. It's very old school. It's it's just like there's not a lot of stuff to do. There's no grappling to, to take to take a break from the head trauma. Yeah. You know, there's no wrestling to take a break from the head trauma. It's Plus like okay, we either hundreds. punch the face or we punch the face. Like yeah, exactly. that's, that's, that's what we do. And even if you look at a boxing fight compared to an MMA fight, if you look at the amount of shots that are landed, yeah. I mean, in a in a twelve round boxing fight, I mean, you're talking hundreds, yeah. and three quarters of them go to the head. I mean, you you might find a handful of like UFC fights where hundreds of strikes are landed. I mean, absorbed even less. Right. I mean, it's just because, like you're saying, the clinch can mitigate the the amount of strikes that you can actually throw when it goes to the ground. Those grappling exchanges can mitigate the damage, and the gym wars and the training modality tends to be different for MMA yeah. and boxing. And then there might be also something to be said about the gloves. Yeah. You know, smaller gloves means you can't take as many hard shots because yeah. that same shot in a boxing glove and an MMA glove may lead to a finish, whereas the boxing glove, you just may end up taking another hundred of those. So I think the, yeah, the training modality is definitely different. But I, I saw a video of the wildcard gym like last week, and it was just someone got knocked the fuck out hard, like 20, 30 seconds yeah. not moving. That was in a, with the headgear on, like at a gym MMA today. MMA or, or boxing? Uh, no, it was boxing at the wildcard gym, uh, Freddie Roach's gym. Oh, okay. And that's like a modern-day gym today. They were wearing headgear. Like, dude, if that happened in my gym, if one of my students went that hard on another student, I mean, I would be borderline kick them out of the gym. If they just went full-on through a 100% power punch that would clearly knock someone out, they landed, and dropped someone for 30 seconds, I mean, that's serious damage. Like, yeah. I don't even know how you could justify that. What happens that in boxing gyms? I mean, I've, tra I've trained boxing in regular gyms where it's like, okay, 90% of these guys are here for fitness. The 10% that are here for fighting, we'll try to cater to them, but not really so much. I've trained that way before. I've also trained in boxing gyms that are just trying to train pro boxers, and it's literally like you just fight every day. I heard <laughs> rumors about Juggernaut back in the day being like that. What, what, By rumors, fight? I mean people that clearly trained there for a long time used to talk about the sparring at Juggernaut, which is insane. I, honestly, I, I didn't think it was that bad. I, really? I mean, compared to maybe the rest of Singapore, they, uh -huh. go, they go pretty hard, but... That's just the way boxers train, bro. Yeah. Like I've trained with boxers. Like I, it's. I mean, it wasn't fun. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. It wasn't. It was fun. awful. Yeah, they had. I had headaches for weeks. Yeah, they had not a, lot a big of, deal. They had a lot of good guys there, so it kind of <laughs> sucked. <laughs> like, but it wasn't like excessive or anything. Yeah. To be honest with you, yeah. Like, well, I mean, it's still, I still suspect it's it's pretty fair compared to some other places, but I just worry about that, man. I mean, you know, I'm of the mindset you can go hard to the body. Because mm -hmm. that, I mean, if you kick, leg kick somebody a couple, they're going to limp or whatever. You body shot somebody, you know, they might seize up if you hit them in the liver. Yeah. But that's not long-lasting damage. As long as nothing breaks, yeah. you're going to be pretty safe. But that fucking head trauma, even the boxers, like, save it for the fight. I mean, yeah. how many boxers get punchy? I would say most get punchy from the training. Like you are saying earlier, yeah. the years and years for every two or 300 shots absorbed in a fight, the amount absorbed in the training leading up to it, 10 times, I mean probably more yeah for sure it, look i remember when i when i was training at, at like with a pro boxing trainer right we would just do like all these circuit things and pad works and stuff like kind of monday through thursday and then every friday was a fight like he'd call down some guy from out of town and it, like it would basically just be a fight <laughs> like that every friday sparring, right? every, yeah it was a, spar it was it was a sparring. smoker essentially it was yeah it was, a, it was sparring but it was it was a fight bro it was it was not light at all like the beginning dropped and stuff and that's just the way boxing training goes, I guess. Yeah. It, it has changed. Did yeah. I ever tell you my, my, the story of the first time I ever sparred? No. Oh, it was some dick shit, dude. But this is how it was back in the day. I, I try to tell my wife, Charmaine, all the time what MMA training was like when I started compared mm. to now. 
because pe- the word's out now. People are starting to understand that those shots yeah. have long-lasting effects. Because MMA is such a new sport, the training modalities have really evolved a lot in the last 10 years as it's become mainstream. You know, but back right. when because we started 15 years ago, yeah. people would just tra- sparring day was like every fight was an amateur fight essentially. I mean, you had sometimes the right. headgear, the shin pads, and the fat gloves. You know, the, maybe they made you wear 16 ounces, but that was it, man. And the people threw full power shots. And my first time sparring ever, I was terrified, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm 18, yeah. 19 or something. I was a purple belt in jujitsu, but I hadn't done any any sparring. And uh, I'm at the Adrenaline Training Center in Canada. That's where Mark Hominick and Sam Stout trained, and they had some other UFC fighters. It was a Sean Tompkins gym, a mm. Boss Rutten affiliate. And uh, it was the first day, and I was going with one of the coaches. So it, my first round ever was with one of the coaches, so I thought I was good, right? You know, because if you come into my gym and you train with me, I'm the safest person you're ever going to train with. There's no way I, I'm not going to lose control. Like, even if I head kick you, it's just – I'm going to touch you, tap right, you, right, right? right? I'm not going to even throw that shot, but if I did, you're fine. Same thing. If you roll with somebody, you roll with the black belt, you're way safer than rolling with the white belt. Right, right. Like, I mean, without question, right? And so I go with the, and it's a boxing round. They say boxing only, right? So I'm like shitting my pants. I'm terrified because I've seen the sparring. I know what it is, and I'm really nervous. And so I kind of like throw some jabs and try to stay away. And the first strike this fucking dude throws at me is such an asshole. He gets me in a tie clinch and knees me right in the solar plexus. It's supposed to be a boxing round only. I was getting hazed, right, for my yeah. first day ever by the coach. And so I'm immediate, it was like a liver shot or a, a sternum shot, quinch knee. And I'm on the ground for 45 seconds. Been there, yeah. Can't catch my breath. Like, can't even take, I'm panicking, right? Because, you know, like, when you get hit in the solar plexus, you can't inhale. Right. So your breath is just stuck. And so I'm fucking, fan- like, panicking and freaking out. And then uh, I literally just, like, by the end of it, I kind of roll over onto my knees and I'm trying to catch my breath. And I was like, I thought it was boxing only. And he goes, sorry. And then <laughs> proceeded to get up and fuck me up more. My first day, my first round ever with a coach. But that's like, the old school way. Dude, man. man. Look, we got to put context out there. Like, MMA wasn't always, like, for profit or for commercial. I mean, like, training. It was just a... a a sick group of psychos. <laughs> and this was a fighter gym too. Yeah, no, at a fighter, especially at a fighter gym. It's just a, like a, a weird, weird group of guys. It was a weird group of people that, that trained MMA when I started. Like it, we kind of normalized and, you know, eventually like normal people started to walk through the doors. But when I first <laughs> went, it was like, a bunch of, it, was, it, was, it was a weird group of guys, you know? And that first day that was kind of like, you know, like, let's see if this guy really wants to be here. Yeah. Like, let's see if we're, if we're wasting our time on this guy. I think that's what it was, but, man, I'm just not – that's bullying. Yeah. And from my perspective, yeah. that's bullying. I, I, I you think can with, build with strikes, people up to that. With strikes, it's, it sucks, you know? Because yeah. I remember, like, like, you would walk through the doors back in the day, and, you know, they'd, they'd hard wrestle you. They'd hard, they'd hard roll you. Yeah. And then, like, the guys who, were, who really wanted it, they'd be like, yeah, that was fun. I'm going to come back tomorrow, you know? And they'd be like, ah, oh, we got a fighter. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how they that's, knew back in the day. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I guess maybe it's just – follows along the line i'll give you a fucking even grosser story oh god again when we training back in the day right so i'm 16 and i just started with my high school wrestling team i was training at the phs in parkersburg high school and when i started wrestling in high school we were like top 20 in the nation every year that i was wrestling there so like it was a big like 20 state championships uh like top 20 in the year every time we were that i was in high school there and I literally remember I walked up as a sophomore, grade 10, first day of wrestling practice. And, you know, I just kind of ended up fucking around. And I've done like two years of wrestling up to I started when I was 13 or 14. 
so two or three years of wrestling before that, but I'm in high school now. I'm training with the big boys, right? And I start wrestling with this guy who was a bit of a dick. And then I didn't know what this was at the time. One of the guys goes, check his oil. Oh, no. And I was like, I, don't, I didn't, even, didn't even register in my head what the fuck he meant. And then, you know, he's like on my back trying to break me down. And then all of a sudden I feel this dude's fingers go up my fucking ass. And he starts, you know, he didn't penetrate. But it was enough to be like, Whoa! and I like roll over and freak out. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? And they all thought this was hilarious. And I'm like, oh, my God. As I think back to what it was like to train when I first started compared to now. Like, even Charmaine, asked, I made a joke about checking oil or something the other day. And Charmaine's like, did people really do that? And I'm like, hold on, I got a story for you. <laughs> yeah. Happened to me directly my first day of high school wrestling. That was pretty, that's, that's pretty common, though, back then. Oh though, yeah. so in the States, I mean, that's... The term exists for a reason, right? You yeah. can see pictures. If you yeah, look yeah, online, yeah, you yeah. will see dudes knuckle deep up other dudes' assholes and singlets yeah. from like in college matches and shit from checking oil. Like, there's a lot of a lot of dirty stuff that happens in in wrestling. You just you don't you don't see it from a distance, or you don't you don't know about it unless you're you're happens, wrestling. Happens yeah, things like that. There's yeah. a lot of a lot of. I mean, people say the wrestling doesn't have strikes, bro. <laughs> if you snap down somebody's oh, yeah, back yeah. of the head, those dirty elbows in the pummel, like mm -hmm. those those collar ties. You're rolling through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything, chin in the eyes, like all kinds of dirty stuff. Yeah, we, uh, you know that, we used to do this drill in wrestling where you'd put your arms behind your back mm -hmm. and then you're basically pummeling in for head position. Yeah. So like, you know, you have chin, uh, you have head position under my chin, right? Right. And then I have to roll my forehead back under your chin and you're just trying to establish that head under the chin pressure, right? To stop them from being able to get down. Right. And it would just turn into like these fucking head butting matches where you would do that. And then I told a story of uh, I had this high school wrestling coach called Troy Owens. Mm -hmm. He was this little black dude, like little skinny ass black dude, f the f 55, 60 kg or something, really skinny dude. And uh, he had this fucking Brillo pad of an afro <laughs> on his head. And he would get you into the collar tie and he would take his afro and just grind it in your face and on your nose and on your mouth. And then by the time that you were done wrestling, you would have burns just like all over your face. And he would keep it shaved down really low. <laughs> so it was like a wiry Brillo pad that he was rubbing on your face and shit. Yeah, wrestling's a rough sport, man. It's that's, the roughest. That's why, I guess it can be if it's in every high school and you don't have to pay for it. <laughs> like, there's no way you'd be able to sell that to the public, though. Yeah, exactly. Not the way we did it. No. Definitely not the way we did it. I still say to this day, I'm 30. I've fought pro MMA. I've fought jiu-jitsu competitions, Muay Thai, kickboxing. I've still never trained as hard or had hard as practices as I did when I was high school wrestling. High school wrestling? Yeah. I mean, that was the highest I ever wrestled. Then I started yeah. doing jiu-jitsu. And... Uh, but even still to this day, those practices were nightmare fuel. Like, even to this day, even pro, pro fight training camps were not as hard as some of those wrestling practices where they would deliberately try to make you puke. Yeah. Like, it was disgusting. I, I <laughs> Shout out to PHS <laughs> Wrestling, by the way. Wrestling is pretty brutal, man. <laughs> I, I got to say, though, I, I think that when I first started, I don't know where you were in the world, but you started around the same time, 2005, 2006. Uh, there weren't lightweights. There weren't featherweights. There weren't bantamweights. The, the lowest weight class in the UFC at the time was, was 77 Especially kilos. in America, right? Yeah, in America, right? 77 kilos. So that's a guy who walks around probably at least 85 to 90 kilos back then, probably 100 kilos now, right? And so at the gym, every, everybody was 100 kilos plus. So you're sparring with these guys. That, that, that probably sucked worse than wrestling, to be honest. <laughs> like, you're just getting squished. Oh, man. It was, it's not like, some of them weren't even trying to be dicks. So, you know, like they go for a Kimura or something, and they're just used to pulling on a 100-kilo guy's arm. And when yeah. they pull on a guy's arm who's 70 kilos, it just goes, man. It just rips. And then 
To be fair, it's like every female who trains yeah. probably jujitsu. I mean, imagine Charmaine; she's fifty kg. And yeah. This gym, for whatever reason, it's all big boys here. Like the mm. average weight here is probably eighty kilos or something right. like that. And I just sometimes try to think like what it's like to be some of the women that train jujitsu just getting fucking squished all the time. Yeah, but they give it back though. They give it oh, back yeah, like twice as much. Well, they're tougher than the men generally. Oh, is that sure. true in your experience? Like when I'm injured, I used to be like, I think I'll just roll with the girls today. Now I'm like. I'll roll with the big guys. They're more aware of their strength. We were just having this <laughs> like, conversation yeah, before yeah, the podcast. Yeah, because yeah, the little girls will they'll cross face me like extra hard and tweak my neck, and I'll be like all sore. And yeah, yeah. I was talking to uh, one of my friends, Greg. He did the first podcast with me. His wife is nine months exactly pregnant. She's meant to have her baby on Wednesday, oh. and I was telling her, you know, we're talking about pregnancy, and I was trying to say that you know I can't relate to what the anxiety and the nerves would be like when you're about to have a baby in two days. Yeah. Like you know, imagine like I can't even. I imagine the stress and the fear and all that, and the plus the lifestyle changes and all that on top of it. But then I told her, like, in my experience, universally, women are just tougher than the men. I mean, I've been doing this for years, and their capacity to endure pain and discomfort and everything, I've just universally seen that the men will complain before the women almost always. And this just seems to be a trend that I've always seen is that their ability to endure being uncomfortable and being bent and twisted and just in physical pain seems to be they have a higher threshold probably because they they give birth right but could be in my experience that's the case is that the women or are, they've got more to prove also could be yeah. also could be yeah but you know they just don't have those physical attributes so they i feel like they need to rely more on toughness and yeah that's true they don't they're not as strong they're not as fast they just don't have that stuff there are but, some exceptions like tiffany's a a gorilla of a woman dude her shoulders <laughs> are wider than yours yeah for sure she is strong as shit yeah. You can see it when she grapples and stuff. We were talking about her on the last podcast with Matt. Yeah. Oh, she can she can throw an average man around. Like physically. Like, Love it. Like without Love it. without technique. Yeah. Like just I still want to yeah. get her on the podcast, man. Yeah. She's awesome. That's cool, man. I'm glad I'm really glad we did this podcast. I've been wanting to do it for fucking ages. We get to sit here and just talk shit about fights, talk shit about training. Uh, I want to go back to the the Lethway thing a little bit. Is this a new uh a new organization this World Lethway? How long have you been doing it, and what's their what's their reach? Are they based mostly in Asia? Or? Yeah, so, okay, so it's it's been, like, I've been with them for about a year. I'm the first foreign referee uh, for them. So when I came on board, that was, like, part of their movement to kind of globalize. So now we've got shows scheduled next year for – they've only been in, in – we've only been in Myanmar for the last year, but um, next year we've got big plans. So we're going to Japan, going to the U.S. And it's legal in, in – it's legal in the U.S. or you have to go Indian reservation or some shit? Well, it depends on which commission. Like, from, from the conversations uh, that have been had so far, it's kind of like, from what I understand, it's like some commissions are more relaxed than others. Like, it'll never be legal probably in California or Nevada. Oh, yeah. Right? Just because it's, there's not Those anything like it. Those liberals, that's why. Well, that's not any, there's not anything like it, you <laughs> know? So, so you got to find a, they would be like, this is, this is very violent boxing, or this is, this is a very unique form of MMA or something. I don't know. So yeah. it wouldn't fit into their... What are the rules? Like, you're a referee and a judge. So yeah. like how, what's the... If you don't mind, because I actually don't know. What's the scoring system? How do they... What do they score more dominantly? And then what's the general rule set? Okay, so traditional Lethway didn't have uh, scoring. It was like either you knock, knock out, out or, or draw. Or draw, yeah. That's what but that's kind of anticlimactic for a global audience, right? Yeah, totally. So um, they added a score system, scoring system. So it's a 20-point must system. So that... Which is a little bit better, to be honest, because... Uh, you've seen a lot of the, these fights where, like, you land more jabs than I do in the first and second round, and then I beat the shit out of you the third round, and you still win the fight because 
you won two rounds, 10-9, and I lost, then I had one round 10-9, right? But so this one, we have 20 point in my system, so you can make the spread a little bit further. So like, let's say you land more jabs, you just How many rounds are there? Five. Five rounds. Well, there could be four, or there could be three. Two it, minutes or three? Um, three minutes each round, yeah. And uh, two minutes in between. You, oh, you get a two minute break. Yeah, two Oh, that's an interesting idea too, because then you're more fresh. Yeah. So yeah. it's pretty, it's pretty fired up, mm. but so, yeah. So, so some of the, like the undercard fights might be four rounds or something like that. I think the ladies' fights are three rounds, typically. But uh, yeah, they have ladies now as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I'm yeah. always down for. I mean, it's kind of brutal to watch the ladies fucking headbutt each other, but I'm yeah. not. But I'm all on equality for violence. So yeah, equality for violence. Men, I'm down. Whatever. Yeah. Well, it's pretty good that so far we've had um, ladies from all over. You know, we've been able to find like some good European fighters and. So people are training this specifically now, right? Some, like people are, or is it like the bare knuckle crew starting to transition more? I think right MMA now guys? we're getting we're get, initially we're getting crossover. So like one of the biggest fights we've had in the last uh, couple events was Dave Leduc, who's like the king of lightweight, right? The guy is like, that's like the, like you got back in our day, Anderson Silva was the king of MMA, right? Mm -hmm. Or nowadays I don't know who, maybe John Jones or somebody mm -hmm. like that, right? We got they've got Dave Leduc. So this is the this is the first white guy to kind of come over and where's he from? Learn Ludwig. He's from Canada. Ah, I've heard the name. Yeah, yeah, Canadian heard, guy. yeah, Canadian guy. I've heard the name. Tall, yeah. lanky guy, but explosive for some reason, ah. right? Um, yeah, he, he just had his he just had a, a big fight with uh, Seth Bizinski. He's an MMA fighter, right? MMA guy, yeah, oh. MMA guy. So that's the thing. At these higher weight classes, hard to find uh, Burmese guys that they're that big, right? Yeah, you can't really. Yeah, you can't. So if they brought over like, I mean. As sort of a test run, they just brought over this super athlete. <laughs> yeah. This huge, like, UFC-level guy. I mean, he's fought in the UFC. He's just a UFC veteran. Mm -hmm. and, and they matched him up with, with uh, Dave. So that was a pretty cool fight. I mean, of course, Dave was just... He's trained actual Ledway. So he was just, like, dangerous everywhere. Like, okay, up so close, mid-range, like, long-range, everywhere. So, okay, here's the thing the thing that makes Lethway really interesting is the mm. headbutt rules and mm. also the you know the extended time built between the rounds and like between knockdowns but what how much do headbutts play a factor like when you watch a fight I have no doubt that they play a factor and that they're significant but in your opinion how much do they play and then maybe a subsequent point is what do you think the, da the damage payoff is to the person that's doing the headbutt as opposed to the person receiving it Oh, okay. So I, I think the, the biggest thing about headbutts is honestly it kind of like nullifies the tie clinch, the plumb, because the head the head can shoot right oh, through the hands. So yeah. you think it's more uh, there must be yeah. I didn't think about the defensive tactics of headbutting. Yeah. Like doing it to avoid a position or something. Yeah. Not only that. Uh, I'm just thinking like I fucking grab you and ram your head, but I guess that's probably not really the way that it goes most of the time. Yeah, I think it it does kind of that happens. I see guys run and they throw the headbutt. <laughs> But I don't see a lot of fights end with headbutt, to be honest. Oh. I, see, I see the headbutt as kind of like a deterrent yeah. for a lot of other positions and ranges. For you see the, the way the clinch, the way the clinch uh, game works now, it's completely different. Guys, You can't have like space that. between your heads at all. You must be head-to-head -head or else any distance you would just... Yeah, or you, what you see a lot of is like, it looks like when you watch it, it looks like all oh, these guys are unskilled, but they know exactly what they're doing, man. Like that schoolyard bully headlock, mm. that, that, you can't be headbutt from there. Right, so why why have this guy in a tie clinch when he can shoot his head through and, and hit you in the mouth? Oh, so for them they do the a lot of times, yeah, the old school headlock where yeah, the, when they end up clinched and they're like, all right, I don't want to be headbutt, but I would I wouldn't mind a little bit of a break, 
Let me just hold this guy here for a second. Is there a, now if that happens, is there a break? Does the referee break them? Yeah, or? there's no action. They'll, they'll break it. But here's the thing. This is the, going back to that first fight that I was talking about. This happened in uh, the last the last show, and the guy was in the sort of the we call it the bully headlock, right? He connected his hands together, hipped in, boom, Super KO. Yeah, right? knocked him out. Shit, man. Yeah. Okay, so what are the rules with break, breaking the clinch or break? When do they separate you? When it's inactive, yeah. Okay. So when there's nothing going on, it's like, okay, this is boring. Let's, let's, let's get back to fighting again. Even though you can suplex from those clinches. Because yeah, I would just think that that would be the, the go-to move right yeah, away. But, yeah, but sometimes it is. Some, you have some guys. I've is seen it like three guys, seconds, like kind of like kickboxing or whatever? When the offense stops, then the referee just comes in. and. Right, but you got to look at the position itself, too. So if you can say, like, okay, there's still offense like, happening from here or there's potential to make offense happen from here. Then you let it go a little bit, you know. And I think everybody, like every ref's probably a little bit different, like how, how long they'll let the clinch go. But I gotta say, dude, that's really interesting. <laughs> like, yeah. I was kind of against it until I talked to you. But yeah. now, now that I've talked to you, you know, I kind of thought it's just the brutality of it is kind of hard for me to deal with because I just see some of those brutal knockouts. But then you talked about this guy coming back and winning after being knocked out cold. Yeah. The brutality of it is kind of hard for me to get over. But the self defense aspect of it and the sports specific stuff of being in these bad positions and being able to headbutt the martial artist in me is like oh i didn't think about some of that stuff that you're talking about like right. the distance between your heads putting people in the bully headlock because you can't headbutt from there and then of course the suplexes from there there's a whole new dimension and you know compared to something like bare knuckle boxing like leftway is just a way cooler version because you yeah. can it's the same thing but you can kick and you can knee and you can elbow and you can headbutt so that's i mean it's people do that anything so. that can happen on the feet it can happen in Leadway. So when are they going to do the most honest expression of stand-up fighting? When are they going to do the Valley Tudor version, which is just is full-on it, MMA? Like add, add non-violent techniques. Headbutt from the guard. <laughs> you know, headbutt from oh, the yeah. closed guard. Like, just extrapolate further. Like, this is going to be MMA, full contact, whatever the fuck goes, except for basically eye gouging. And I think that, I mean... Exactly, that's got to be coming. That's a natural extension I don't of think Lethway, it would be, right? I don't think it would be from Lethway because Lethway has its traditional roots and everything, and it can kind of build off of that. I think it would have to be somebody else to do that, but I think it would have to come at a time when we've gotten used to seeing headbutts. You know, like, you know, remember when I was a kid and when we first saw leg kicks? We're like, that's cheating. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we, we came mm. from American kickboxing. Yeah. When you kicked above the waist and you punched with the hands, that was the way you fought. Right? Yeah, it was dirty if you if you elbowed or if you threw if you even threw, the leg locks as, as recently as five or ten years ago, right? Like, dude, I've been yelled at. Move. I've been yelled at for the better half of two decades. Yeah, for leg locks. <laughs> for and leg shit. locking people, and every time I go somewhere, oh, we don't do that here. I'm like, yeah. oh, sorry, I just I didn't know. I didn't. I yeah. was just trying to tap you out. I was I just I was just trying were, to. What are these rules? Yeah. These yeah. IBJJF rules. Yeah. That's interesting, man. Well, and here's the other thing, like even I mean the perfect analogy is leg locks. People were worried that they would be just devastating in terms of their impact tear the ligaments and then you can't train for a year and all that kind of shit but naturally as time progresses did you watch the last adcc yeah so you know if the the adcc two years ago was all leg locks this is when the Danaher and the ebis before that and even the one before that like every match ended in a heel hook it was this new element that the Danaher death squad guys had mastered and mm. they were so far above the curve that every fucking match ended in a heel hook and they just thought this is the death of traditional jiu-jitsu but then, if you watch the most recent one, the only one who leg-locked anybody was, like, Lachlan Giles. Yeah. Other than that, like, Gordon Ryan got, like, fucking six or, like, five rear naked chokes. Yeah. And it became more wrestling and old-school jiu-jitsu because the defense had uh, bridged the gap. Right. And then I think it could be a similar story. Once the headbutting game 
becomes a thing, it, the metagame will start to develop and the defenses will start to develop. And then, you know, those things won't be as devastating and they won't be so dramatic. They will still have their place. But the natural defenses will start to happen and then, you know. That's what I said about soccer kicks. It's like every time there's something that, that people don't understand. This is coming from the guy who's got a brutal soccer kick knockout. <laughs> yeah. If you want to go watch it, go watch Major's fight with Bruno Pucci. And he literally got his head punted into the fucking stands. <laughs> yeah. But I, I've always thought that, like, it's whenever somebody doesn't know how to defend something, people are like, oh, it's easy. Anybody can do that. I'm like, yeah, that, but not really. Because then, like, it, everything's going to. You can't gonna, be in that positions, right? Well, everything's going to evolve, you know? Like, yeah. there would be a point where people actually know how to defend soccer kicks. People. Old school jiu-jitsu guys knew how to defend headbutts on the ground. Mm. You know, I don't know, I don't know that the new school guys do because we haven't really seen like, that be a problem in, in new, new school jiu-jitsu. Like, your lapel is more of a problem than a headbutt. Yeah. Right? So that old school like, self-defense uh, aspect of jiu-jitsu where we, we were defending headbutts, you know, like that, that's, that's more or less gone. It's with the old school guys. If you don't have gray in your beard, you probably don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let me segue this into what my concern is with the Lethway, and that would mm -hmm. be the, the damage, specifically right. the head-on-head -head collision. I just want to get your take on, I mean, we're both not doctors. We should fucking say this straight right, out. Right. But I would be curious what you think, because if I headbutt you, that's still my brain taking plenty <laughs> of that impact, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm curious as to like, what you think the trade-offs would be. Now, I would not, I mean, I would say that a head kick, will certainly do more damage than a headbutt because I think headbutts will generally happen from a clinching range. Mm. So the distance traveled and the kinetic energy that can be applied to the strike is less because you're going to be close to it. You're, I'm not going to like diving headbutt you from a distance any further than like where we can grab each other. Right. right? So I think the, the, the impact just by the nature of the strike is less than a distance strike like a head kick or a, a hook or a punch or something like that. Right. But I would be curious as to what's, what's the trade-off for the person that's delivering the headbutt and the person receiving it, because my concern is that, that brain trauma specifically. Well, like I said, like, I really don't believe that fights are what causes the damage. I believe it's the training that causes the damage. So if they have a good like, training methodology, how many headbutts are you going to take in your life? Two? You'll be all right. How many <laughs> do you see in a fight, if you had to guess? How, how prolific of a technique is it in Lethway that, you, that you've seen? Okay, a headbutt that actually lands flush and rattles somebody, I would say... I. I'd be shocked to see more than one in a fight, to be honest. So it's not, average. It's not the most efficient strike most of the time to throw. No, it, it's, it would be efficient on us, probably. Like, we don't train it. <laughs> but but for, the, for the training. For the guys who train it, they're like, they're like hey, let's... let's okay, there's well, certain things they can't do because the headbutt's going to be there. It's the same thing. Like, if you, if you go your whole life without training heel hooks, you can just put your feet in the air and just let them float, and you think you're safe all the time. And then as soon as, like, Dan and her death squad's like, hey, wait a minute, what if we twisted that? Then all of a sudden... The whole meta changes, right? Mm. But once it changes, again, now we're avoiding the leg locks again. It's just we've had to change our meta in order to do that. And that's the way the fight looks now, too. The, the way they clinch is different. The way they, they, they move their, their feet and everything is different. Their level changes, all of that. Okay, so let me then we'll, – we've got to take a break soon. But let me, uh, pick, let me go another way with this. How do you safely train headbutting? What do you put a fucking forehead, <laughs> a forehead pillow on so you can – like? How do you train that? Because, you know, in sparring, you wear shin pads and you wear gloves and right. you can kind of make contact. How do you safely headbutt each other in practice? Well, it's the same question. How do you safely throw elbows in practice? Elbow pads? 
Is it safe? I've, I've yeah, seen. compared to it's, well, cutting is the real damage with the I've elbows. I've seen guys right? with headgear, full headgear, like gear. the rugby headgear, and you just fucking like and with rail the, on and each with other. the elbow pads, and I've seen it slice right through. Oh, I have no elbows, doubt that it could. Elbows but, are brutal, bro. But how, what is? Have you seen the actual training? Like, what do they do? No, nah, not really. They, they they mostly will just hit the pads and stuff like just that. Just fucking like one, two, pop. Like, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do you just like the throw the, yeah, yeah, throw yeah. the pad at the forehead? Yeah, I wonder how many. God, it's so fascinating. Uh, I don't know. Like, I think even like doing 100 reps of headbutt. Yeah, the back, your right? neck by the end of it, dude. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to be able to not turn super your head. Good, not super good, yeah. And then, ah, oh, God, it's so interesting. I mean, listen, I'm fascinated by this. Mm-hmm. I, I have no issue with, look, if you're an adult and you want to do something, I think you should be able to do it. If it's right. fight people or if it's do this, if it's do that, if you sign the waiver, you, you know, you write your own ticket and whatever you choose to do, same thing with jujitsu and heel hooks. And there's risk to any activity that you do. So I'm a, I'm, I believe that if you want to do it, you should be able to do it. But I would like to see it. I just imagine like one, two, pa. Like one, yeah. two, pa. Well, well, to and be honest, like, to be honest, a lot of the training now is still pretty like. Um, they're still developing the training mode. It's archaic. Right? Well, yeah. So now what they've, what they've got going on is we're starting the. Uh, Lethway Academy, World Lethway Academy. So what that's going to be is it's going to be like taking a bunch of young guys, teaching them about proper nutrition, proper strength and conditioning, teaching them English, teaching them how to use, how to how to do media work. So giving them like a real education, but also t- teaching them like how to train properly as well, yeah. how to train more efficiently. So I think that's going to bring give rise to like a new generation of of Lethway. Like you're seeing now, guys who are tough, they've got the heart, they've got the they've got the will, but the methodologies is probably the same as it. As it was a hundred years, school. yeah, hundred years Fucking ago. Headbutting each other in training, and yeah, you hop off your elephant and you go do a little pillow <laughs> <of> training. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh my god, that's hilarious, <laughs> yeah. dude. Okay, guys, well, we're gonna take a break here. We're gonna smash another beer. This is Stronghold Podcast, episode eight. We'll be back soon. Cheers. Okay, everyone, we're back to the Stronghold Podcast. I'm here with. Former one championship fighter, jiu-jitsu black belt, and just good fucking dude, major overall. What's up, dude? We're back. We're back. Having some more beer, ready to go, ready to talk about the UFC. Empty bladder, open mind, let's go. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> That's what I had to do. It's just, yeah. we always cut every podcast in half because I got to take a leak because I get you fucking degenerates on here and I'm just drinking all the time. <laughs> yeah. And it's just the way it goes. So let's talk about the, the UFC, man. Did, you saw, right? You saw that uh, we had Damian Maya in the gym. That's so awesome. It was so cool. Yeah. Man, I got a really cool story about him. So if you guys uh, don't know, Damian Maya came in to train at Stronghold. One of my business partners, he's, I don't, he's a, just a weird dude. Really cool guy, but he speaks Portuguese, and he just is in this sort of Brazilian community and everything. He's from Angola, you know, and they speak Portuguese there. So he's got this kind of language connection with a lot of these guys. So he's friends with all the Brazilians in some way or another. Damian Maya's team or someone through him got in touch with my business partner and they were looking for a place to train. Usually when people look for a place to train in Singapore, they always go to Evolve. But problem is his opponent is repping Evolve. So I guess they needed somewhere else to go. And uh, so a couple days ago, he sends a message on our group chat and he's just like, hey, Damian Maya needs a place to train. It's at this time. Is that cool? And I'm like, fuck yeah, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Damian Maya is going to be in my gym. So, uh, you know, we got, <laughs> he went totally Brazilian on it, right? Because, you know, he was supposed to be here at 8 o'clock in the morning. And so I get up at like 7.15. I mop the mats. I make sure everything looks great. So I know our gym doesn't look like a shithole or something when he comes in. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, he shows up an hour plus late. So I'm just like. Me and Charmaine went to bed at like two and then I'm up at seven and I'm just tired and then I'm waiting for like an hour and a half for this dude to turn up. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he does the Brazilian thing and he rolls in with like 10 people and they start training. But he was just cool, man. Like, first of all, he's huge. He's a welterweight. 
He's a, was a middleweight. Yeah, now he was he's a, a welterweight. Yeah. Dude, okay, just to, so for the listeners, welterweight is what I weigh now. I'm about 168, 170-ish. Right 77 there. kilos for the... Yeah, 77 kg. I'm, yeah. I'm like 75. I just 75 and a half. I just checked myself yesterday. Yeah. And uh, oh, that's you, basically... You gained a little bit of weight too then. Dude, I'm... Coach life. I'm Jack, dude. What are you talking about? Coach life. <laughs> <laughs> so he came in and I realized that next week he's going to weigh the same thing as me, yeah. which is fucking insane. He is gigantic. He's at least eight inches taller than me, six or eight inches taller than me. He's six, five, six, something like that. And he's jacked, huge. And so they came in and trained... And I got this really interesting story. If anyone wants to know how cool Damian Maia is. So I, th- I assume every listener in this show knows who he is. But he's fighting Ben Askren in the main event of UFC Singapore. And uh, he's a ADCC champion. And he's a Mundial champion in the Gi. And he's fought Anderson Silva for the title. And he just fought Tyron Woodley last year. He's like ranked in the top five. And he's been there for 10 years. And uh, he came in and trained and shit. And we kind of just left our distance, you know, and I had this friend, uh, Jake, shout out to you, Jake, his little daughter comes in and she trains at 10 o'clock. And I told them the training window was eight to 10 because that's when our kids classes start. And so I sent him a message like 30 minutes earlier. I'm like, Hey bro, if you come in a little early, you know, you might get a surprise. Part of their thing was, you know, you can't videotape it. They don't want anybody to swamp the gym. So, you know, you can't really tell anybody that he's here. Mm. And, uh, but I told him because it's usually just two people that come in for that class mm. and his daughter was one so I was like hey if you come in a little bit early you might get a treat you know and uh, his daughter India is going to compete at the Singapore BGJ Open in November she's five years old cute as shit right just little blonde hair girl just like kind of a space cadet she's just always rolling around and smiling and stuff and uh, you know at the end of training they're sitting there watching because they came in early to see him and then I ask if he minds taking a picture with us in front of the sign because we can share it on the social media. He's like, he was really cool. And then uh, after that, Jake and India come up and they try to take a picture with him too. And I kind of, we're, we're sitting over there, sitting on the chairs and stuff. And he goes over and just starts talking to her out of the blue. Like, you know, he's chilling with all of his bros. And then he goes over and he's like, hey, how are you doing? Starts talking to this little five-year-old. Oh, and awesome. then I was like, oh, she's going to compete in her first competition in like three weeks, and he's like, oh, you're going to compete. How old are you? And he just like randomly goes out of his way to talk to the little girl that's got like two stripes on her white belt, and he's just like talking to the family. He goes over out of his way. They didn't come up to him. He goes out of his way to make sure he talked to everybody, and he's like, oh, you know, I've got a, I've got a son that's your age, and they just started training jujitsu, and he just went out of his way to bond with like a small kid that's that awesome. came into the gym. Yeah. You know, no one went up to him. He went over to her. And started talking to her about training and all that kind of stuff and about competing. I just thought it was fucking cool, man. He's a guy that you can just tell is exactly like he's perceived. Yeah, so he's like the hero of the jiu-jitsu community. It's like, forget all the credentials. Like, ADC, nobody cares about that. Because most of the time, a lot, well, I want to say most of the time, a lot of times it doesn't translate into real fighting, right? So he's the guy who makes jiu-jitsu work in 2019, right? So he's the hero of all nerds. Yeah. <laughs> right. So and he's forty. And he's forty, but he's been making it work for a long time. To yeah. be fair, so he's he's maybe like at the end of his run, but he's still he's still looking pretty good. He fought Woodley last year. Yeah, he fought Woodley last year. I mean, for the title. Yeah. So I mean, I think everybody who does jiu-jitsu has a place in their heart for Damian Maya. However, I personally feel Askren takes the fight. Yeah. I I, I just think that. I've never seen Damian Maya submit anybody off of his back. Mm. I can't see him not being on his back against Askren. So, that just. I mean, unless it turns into a shitty kickboxing match, mm. which I'm not really like keen to watch at all. I'll, I'll, I'll throw my, I'll throw my beer. I'll start throwing beer yeah. <laughs> into the cage if well, that happens. I can give you a little insider information because this podcast will be released after the fight happens. So, mm-hmm. 
without you know pissing off Damian Meyer or anything, but yeah. I can tell you he got taken down in training, yeah. and uh, by some guys that are obviously not Ben Askren. Right. Having said that, the caveat is they were Shark Tanking him. Okay. So he was in the whole time, and they kept bringing in fresh people like every thirty or forty-five seconds. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just training; it doesn't mean shit, right? But he was taken down by some people. <laughs> and Jake, my Jake, the guy that brought in his girl, made a hilarious joke. He goes, "You know what's weird? I didn't see him drill one flying knee." <laughs> and I was like, "That's fucking hilarious, man." Because he just, Ben Askren just got flatlined by a flying knee in five seconds in his last fight. They were like, yeah, he didn't drill a single flying knee. That happens. I, I, dude, if he threw a fly, if, if Damian Maia comes out and throws a flying <laughs> knee, I, like, it'd be so disrespectful. I don't know, <laughs> man. I'd be into it. Maia, bro. I'd be into it, man. Be, I mean, I guess it'd be kind Maybe, of like, What, flying triangle then? Because he'll probably still drop a set. I don't know. You can train it into maybe something. Maybe something like that will be, I, I don't know. I don't know. How, how do you think that fight goes, though? I mean... I think I, I tend to agree with you. I, I yeah. think I think Askren will wrestle fuck him. I think everybody yeah, everybody's emotional. They they're they're fans of jiu-jitsu. I'm a fan of jiu-jitsu, obviously. Like I've been doing jiu-jitsu. We're also fans of wrestling. Like we are both wrestlers. We're both wrestlers. I guess I was a wrestler first. I was too. Yeah. But to be fair, I learned jiu-jitsu because I was not as good of a wrestler as the other guys. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, fuck <laughs> this. I hate this. I yeah. suck at it. And then I was like, oh, right, this is way more chill. Yeah, I can just I was, do this. They were taking me down and punching me in the face. Yeah. I was like, I got to learn how to triangle or something. This is, this is not going to work. Yeah, I was like, this so. is too hard. Yeah. I can't, I can't <laughs> handle wrestling at yeah. all. Like, I'm on my back every round. I can probably take that, to, use that to my advantage. Let me just stay there. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll master that. And then I'll be the guy who's on the back every round. And they're fighting for position. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I actually like both. I've met both guys because when I was, was it co- Okay, I was actually talking to Steven about this on the podcast. Was it when I was cornering you when you fought Boku that Ben Askren fought Sapo the second time, or was he it was with him? He was supposed to. Yeah, he was supposed to, but then Sapo missed weight. Yeah, so that was with you. Yeah, it was with me. That was when Ben Askren started shit-talking him as he was walking on the scale. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God, that was with you. Okay, I could yeah. not remember. It was yeah. so funny. Yeah. I've told the story, but I couldn't remember if I was with you or Steven. I was with me, yeah. Yeah, because he's fucking dying on the on to try to make weight, mm-hmm. and then Ben Askren's... We're in the media room, like in the back. It's only the fighters, the coaches, and then like, you know, a photographer or some shit. And they're trying to do the official weigh-in. And Sapo missed the first weight. And then, so he goes, he cuts weight. Ben had already made weight. And then he comes back in just looking dead. I mean, his head is dragging. He's clearly cut way too much weight. Knew he wasn't going to make weight. And on the way to the scale, Ben Askren is just mercilessly shit-talking him about missing weight. And And he's making everybody laugh at him. And I just kind of thought, like, this is crazy. He's like, everybody's laughing at this guy while he's fucking miserable, supposed to be fighting in the main event. And Ben Askren's making jokes about him being fat <laughs> while he's trying to weigh in. He's and everyone in the back is laughing at him. And I'm just like, this is fucking surreal because Ben Askren is that guy. He will shit talk. He's just that game. He doesn't give a fuck. He will just shit talk no matter what. I mean, he knows the game. Like, he knows how to sell in America. And that's how you sell in America. Yeah. Right? And... The problem is, like, people don't have that ability here, so they switch the model. Yeah. Well, That's that and the, the evolved Chachri warrior spirit, you know. Well, I mean, <laughs> I think a lot of that was happening organically because people are... Asia is not yeah. America. No, <laughs> like, it is. But, but then, like, 20% of it's probably, like, a little bit, like, forced. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, I mean, Colby Covington is way more than 20%. Yeah. Yeah. That's just 100% forced. Yeah. It gets cringe, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. I mean, even, I mean, it's hilarious because even Henry Cejudo, he's just calling himself the king of cringe. He's just leaning into it. Yeah. He knows it's forced, and rather than pretending like Colby that that's who he is, he's just leaning into the fact that he's cringing. Yeah. And that's somehow made him more relatable. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I feel like after, after the McGregor era, like people thought, oh, that's the, that's the magical formula to making money? Just, just kind of act like a, 
like a douche, you know? But then you see like, people like Adesanya who is actually like that. Like, he's got that charisma that's sort of natural. Like Connor. Yeah. Like, Connor doesn't feel forced. At least it didn't. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, it maybe does a bit more. But, like, when he was coming up, that shit was just flowing from him organically. And Adesanya yeah. kind of has that vibe. Like I felt like Connor had, like, a B, B-level joke writer <laughs> writing yeah. him some one-liners to But to for, a, for like, an MMA fighter, that's... An A, that's an A-level writer. <laughs> like, I guess so. I'm, I always thought Chael was more clever. Oh, me too. Chael's the best. I think yeah. he's the best. I still think he's the best of all time. Yeah. People think that Connor's better, but I think Chael is my number one trash talker of all time. It, like, I know Brazilians that love Chael. <laughs> just because he's a shit talker? He's just so funny, man. Yeah. Like, he, he, like, it's too over the top to be taken serious. Like, yeah. like the Noguera and the carrots on the, on the bus. <laughs> they, oh, come on, dude. That's, oh, that's hilarious. The line of, like, I don't lay on my back and let people on top of me in between my legs because I'm a Republican. Republican? <laughs> that's <laughs> fucking hilarious, dude. Yeah. That's one of the best trash talking lines of all time. When yeah. I, I, I laughed for a week after I fucking heard that shit. Like, yeah. So good. I will say one thing about Damian Maya before we kind of segue. The one story that I, you know, I didn't talk to him much, to be honest, because he was training. I just didn't want to be that guy right, to for sure. interrupt and just take too much of his time. But before we took a picture, I told him, I couldn't remember who he fought. But, you know, you and I are both pro MMA fighters. We've both had plenty of fights. We've competed in multiple disciplines of martial arts. I never relish hurting anyone. I, I actually get kind of a cringe reaction. I think the reason why I don't take to fighting, even though I love it so much that I want to do it all the time in the gym, the reason I don't like the act itself is because I don't like hurting people. Like, mm-hmm. just straight up. I don't get pleasure from that. Even the, my time when I fought, it was more, like, interest in technique. Like, I wanted to see my skills in a full-on scenario. It was never about defeating people. I'm not that competitive to where I'm driven to win to the point where I want to crush people. Like, I don't have that in me. It's just m- pure intellect, uh, in- intellectual interest and, in- and interest in seeing my skill set in, in its natural environment. It was never, I'm not the type to step on people or crush people or, or just no, fucking kill We're you. both also gamers, right? Yeah. And I think that's also like the ultimate strategy game. It's like that. Yeah. Right? It's the it, ultimate strategy game. It was like just it, curiosity. It's, it's, I get, sometimes I, I forget that people, other people see fighting as violence. So like, oh yeah, you could kick his ass. I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's right. That's, I forgot that you see that's fighting the point. as, yeah, you see fighting <laughs> as violence. Like, like I just see it as a game. Like this yeah. is, this is a game where I'm I must, totally I'm detached. To, yeah. I'm trying to master this game. I'm trying to master this skill set, you know? I'm as detached as much as I can be, but yeah. in every fight that I've been in, you know, you hurt each other. That's the name of the game. Right. And I always felt weird about it because I don't even like hurt. If I hurt a training partner, like, I've, you know, I've accidentally hurt people. It happens, right? Especially when you first start. I seriously get sick in my stomach. Like, that's why I harp so much on control, mm. like, when with my students and everything. And so I told, I told Damian Maya that he had that quote after the fight. I don't know which fight it was a couple years ago. Fight, yeah. He talked about how in his post-fight, how his goal is just to – win his fights, and if he has to hurt you, he'll do it because that's what he's there to do. He's not going to let someone hurt him. But his ultimate goal is to win without, with the least amount of force and without hurting his opponent, which is why he does jujitsu, because his goal is to win his fights with the least amount of harm coming to his opponent. And I told him that, and I was like, for me, that's why you stand out as a fighter to me because I relate to that sentiment so much. Like, mm-hmm. I feel that competitive drive, and I want to win, and I love martial arts, so that's just kind of the name of the game. But I just fucking hate causing people harm i don't like to be hurt well, you know so there's the thing if you don't like to be hurt then you the, <laughs> I, I can say at least from personal experience i've grossly underestimated least amount of harm <laughs> yeah <laughs> required to win that fight and a lot of times it was it was not enough because you know maybe i held back or maybe i well, that's the times, thing right yeah. that, that is yeah. a totally a thing and that can happen yeah 
but he mastered the art. He's the best ever at winning without hurting his opponents. Yeah, for sure. And that's his whole game is just built around that. And that's the essence of jujitsu, of jujitsu. And that's what I told him when I met him. I was like, you just he's like you said earlier. He is jujitsu in MMA in a full contact situation personified. Yeah. And he represents all of those things that people pretend like it's the gentle art. It's this. It's that. Well, it, it is with some people, and it is isn't with others. Right. But he really just, just just the the essence of jujitsu. I think you know. Yeah. And it was fucking cool having him in my gym, yeah. like training here. You know what? Actually, I was saying his striking is pretty fucking good. He had one of the best pad holders I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. It's like, I mean, he almost looked like an Indian Malay dude. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, he's Brazilian, but he, uh, this dude, this beard. I wish I'd gotten a picture with the whole team. I kind of regret. He left his fucking, <laughs> I was telling you, he left his gloves. He left like a water bottle. He left his mouth guard and he left his fucking room key. To the, to the Mandarin sitting over there on my thing. So he went classic Brazilian and just left most of his shit here. Mm -hmm. So I got some souvenirs from him being here. <laughs> but, <coughs> excuse me, I was amazed at his pad holder, dude. I mean, this guy was good. He didn't do any kicks or anything. It was all just straight boxing. But he looked pretty sharp on the feet, man. He, his, he was doing uh, like a minute grappling, and then he would have his pad holder come in, and his pad holder was throwing him stuff and, you know, making him duck under for takedowns, but really, really good. And then he would have a fresh guy come in and start grappling with him with situational stuff. I really hope he doesn't strike. I'm going to be, like, the antithesis of the Just Bleed fan. Who do you think's better striker? Oh, <laughs> I think probably – I think Askren's probably the third best striker in the ring. <laughs> Behind the ref? Behind the referee? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, I didn't get what you were saying at first. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, no, man. Like, and, this, and that's no secret. And I, I don't think that Askren would even try to, like, front like it's any different, you know? So but, you, but Damien might want to strike because he's probably the better striker, right? I, I mean, he's still with he Anderson Silva feet, like, for five rounds. If he can not a lot of guys. Guys with better takedown defense have been unable to stay on their feet against Askren. So, yeah, you know? Well, like I said, he, he did get taken down in training. You know, I almost hate even saying that because training is not a fight. And, you know, it's kind of a dirty tactic to talk about what you see in training. Sometimes you, yeah, because. But I'm just observing yeah. what I see, and this is going to come out. And it's no shit talk. Like, of course, he gets taken, everyone gets taken down in training. So mm -hmm. I don't feel like I'm being. And again, he was shark tanked. He was in the whole time. He did five rounds. Five, this is, he fights in a week. I don't and he think did five rounds of hard MMA sparring with yeah. fresh people every time. And he was To be honest, at 40 years old, I don't think he's going to, in one camp, be able to learn anything in that camp to stop Aspen's takedowns. But he can learn how to deal with it. So I think it would make more sense to be taken down. Like, just let the guy take you down. Well, not but he also choked everybody. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, Everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So deal with that. Like, you're in that bad situation because you're definitely going to be there in the fight at some point in time unless you do run out and throw a flying knee. But Which, not a, you didn't drill a single one, bro. Yeah. Dude, the writing's on the wall. The <laughs> yeah. technique is there. Like, the script is written on how to beat this guy. No, I don't think Flying knee in five seconds, bro. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think it's a fluke, but I, I don't think that's something you can do every time. Either. But if, when someone charges to crash the distance, his instinct is always to drop to the double leg. Yeah. There's something to be said for that. Yeah, that's true. Is it in the way? God damn it. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. Mike's, Mike's stand is in the way. Uh, okay, so with the UFC being done in Singapore this weekend, are you going to go, by the way? Do you want to go? I'll probably check it out, yeah. Yeah, let's go, dude. Let's yeah. get wasted and just go and talk some shit at the fights. Yeah. Like, we can, you know, we got to balance it out. All the other guys would be yelling, stand them up, stand them up. If Askren and Maya stay standing, sit them down, sit them down, start in the guard. <laughs> no, you know, we're, you know, because we're both coaches, and yeah. the typical thing when you go to these is just people start talking shit, like, kick them, kick them in the balls, kick them in the balls. Maybe most people would think when we would go, we're going to be screaming technical shit. We should just go there and be belligerent as fuck. <laughs> Poke him in the eyes. <laughs> 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 just like finger gouge him. 
Check his oil. You know, that's just that's what I do. I think I have like an alternate <laughs> personality. Like I start chanting dumb things. I, I like I really get like the crowd fired up. I think there's a couple of like uh, I think I saw Tynanus fight, and I was like, America, come on, USA! And then the <laughs> oh, whole God. crowd started chanting USA. And you're the only one. <laughs> oh no, you you got other people involved yeah, because like, it was like funny. Because like I was with a bunch of Singaporeans and like yeah, that's funny. Like yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, d- I didn't not? see you as that type. I feel like yeah. you're the type to be shouting instructions and shit, but. No, you're just it America. Depends. Yeah, no, because yeah, it, it's funny. <laughs> like, you're just having Dude, a good time, right? Get the Donald Trump chance going on. Yeah, that, well, that. it depends. Are you watching a fight for entertainment? Are you watching a fight for education? Are you watching a fight for what? Like, if it's for entertainment, have fun, man. I mean, at this point for us, yeah. like, yeah. it's it's it used to be like this is so fascinating. Now yeah. I'm just like going to have. Oh, a don't time. get me wrong. The, the Maya Askren fight's one to take notes on for sure. Yeah, like you know, especially if you love like MMA grappling. I love MMA grappling, man. Like it's so it's different than jujitsu. It's different than gi no gi. It's just a different meta altogether. But um, it's something that, you know, like if you can get a good fight like this, this is like a, a beautiful case study of a fight. I, I got to tell one story while we're talking about going to fights. Cause I, I just want to get one personal story on, on record before we, before we go into other things. I just want to talk. It's fucking hilarious, dude. When you, f- I think it was when you fought Boku. So back this story up, you were supposed to fight in China originally yeah, yeah, when you original, fought Boku. The original car was supposed to be in Shanghai. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to go corner you for that. But then they had some public holiday. They created some holiday, and the whole event got canceled. So they moved it to Singapore, which right. is cool because we were both here anyway. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you fought Boku, and it, and it was a great fight. I was cornering you for the fight, and it was fucking awesome to watch. And just to be there, the energy was really cool. And then, you know, we all go out afterwards. And it was just fucking hilarious because you didn't bring any clothes. <laughs> you didn't have anything prepared. <laughs> yeah. Your fucking eyes are black. You're busted up. You're wearing like a t-shirt and your fucking short, your fight shorts. Yeah. I can see your cup. Yeah. Right? Like I can clearly see your your little tiny skinny ass shorts. Your fucking eyes are both black and your s- sweat and blood like all over <laughs> you. And we all go out to the bar afterwards and you come out wearing your fucking fight gear. Yeah. And it was just hilarious because we all took the, we took one of those party vans. Yeah. Remember, remember that, that shit? Yeah, remember that. So it was just all a, a crew of the old trifecta guys like Steve was there and Ron and me and you and we all get that ridiculous party van where the lights are flashing and the music is loud and we go into a bar and we're just like celebrating after your fight and you're just like fucked up two clearly black eyes your head swollen you're in little skinny shorts you're still wearing your cup like <laughs> those, those, they were blood the, and those, sweat uh, on you and i'm just like this is fucking insane like people have to think you're a serial killer for going to the bar like this yeah probably right I, you know it's funny, i didn't think ahead i was just like yeah, i'm just go to the fight and then the, after the fight, I'll just whatever. I, I don't. I don't know. I didn't think about after the fight. I guess I was just thinking like the fight, you know. And so then, you roll up into the bar looking like you got fucking assaulted. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just, yeah. And we're all just hanging out with you, and people were. I mean, it's an interesting conversation piece. Yeah. Because you were literally in a fight like 30 minutes before. Yeah. Like with a former world champion, and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it was a good time though. That was a really good time. So we just yeah. got drunk, and then you know, you went home, and that was the end of the story. But seeing you at the bar in skin tight shorts with a cup, black eyes, blood and sweat all over you, drinking beer, like smiling after oh, yeah, a, a good brutal time, fight man. was yeah. like awesome. The thing is, like the fight itself, I don't. Like the result, whatever, you know, like you, if, you, if you put in your best effort, I feel like you did what you could do, you know, so just enjoy it. So I was just like, remember the first thing I said to you after the fight was, how did I get on the ground? But then after that, I was like, that was fucking fun. Yeah, <laughs> no, you did. 100%. Yeah. No, that's what I loved about you, yeah. you fighting me. You always had the right attitude because, yeah. you know, listen, man, like wins and losses in this, this sport, it's just they come and they go. Yeah. Right. But you had fun. And you weren't butthurt. Like, one of the worst things is when I did my pro debut, it was in 2011, mm-hmm. and I fought in Trinidad. And the guy right before – and I'm nervous, right, you know, because mm-hmm. it's your pro debut and everything. 
And I mean, I'd had amateur fights before that, but no professional. And the guy became, that came out before me was just like pissed. He came in like kicking shit and like freaking out and screaming. He's like, oh, I lost. What is that? Blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, bro, like, what are you doing? Like, are you so emotionally connected to this? Like, you're not a world. Sh- it's just, I felt like it was a show mm. more than anything, right? But you were completely genuine. Like, you went in there, you put it on the line, and you never know. A lot of people think, like, they have this bold confidence, like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Listen, every person who steps in there doesn't know. Every person doesn't know. Right. That potential exists to lose, and everybody knows it. Even though people like to be brash and they like to be like, oh, I know I'm better in every area, and I know I'm this, and I'm knowing this. That's, that's the ego talking. Everybody knows that there's a percentage that mm. exists that you don't win that fight. And I just love that you wore it. You wore it with pride to the point where you will fucking, your balls are hanging out at the bar because you're not even <laughs> fucking, you didn't even bring pants and shit. Yeah. And we're just laughing and you're having a good time. And you were like, dude, that, you literally came to me and you were like, that was fucking fun. Yeah. You know, you weren't like, oh no, I lost. My life is over. What am I going to do? You were just like, you just had a scrap. Like, yeah. it was just a good yeah. scrap. And now let's go get drunk. Like, yeah. fucking, that's yeah. it. You know? Yeah, that's I it, love man. that about you, man. Yeah. And that's part of your character, which is so interesting. Yeah. Good times, man. Like, I, I've never been the guy to like. Uh, I mean, I'm never happy when because I lost, right? Sure. But I mean, the process is over. Like, no matter what, you still got better from it. Yeah. You still learned a lot from it. Like, what do people cry? And I don't get it. Like, people cry and stuff over their fights and stuff. And like, like, bro, I've never been that guy. You know? Like, you know? I, I see. Uh, it goes back to like when we were kids. I remember like guys would cry in wrestling matches, punch the wall. I'm like. What are we punching now for? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah you yeah. had your shot earlier. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, <laughs> yeah, missed your opportunity, bro. He was yeah, right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I, that brings me to what I was just going to say a second ago, which is like that's what I see kids do. Yeah, and yeah. when kids do it, I tell them to not do that. Yeah, yeah. You know, like because I, I teach kids all the time, and if a kid loses and they freak out and scream and they they kick their partner in rage or they push them or they run off the mat crying or I have to go talk to them, and be like, listen, you can't do that. Like, it's not fair to you. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to the people watching. And you're going to be a grown-ass adult, and you're going to do that? Like, I just feel like it's more of a show than even really how they feel. Like, are you that surprised? How good do you think you are? (laughs) Are you so surprised that you lost a fight? The potential didn't exist? I don't believe you thought you were going to win so confidently that this is your reaction. Like, No, what what it is, a lot of people go into competitive sports, or or especially MMA or something like that, uh, because they're seeking out validation, right? And when, when they get crushed with reality, it, it, it's like tenfold as bad on them, right? Luckily for me, luckily for me, I think I was probably the same, but I think I'd probably like develop a little bit of confidence in myself before I had that first like crushing loss. That's a good I was point. like, all right, I kind of know who I am. I'm like, yeah, th- this sucks. But it would have killed me two years ago, but nah, I'm all right now, you know? Yeah. You're also the kind of guy that tends to respond to things with humor, yeah. which I think goes a long way. Right. Yeah. I mean, dude, if you take yourself too seriously, is anybody more insufferable than people who take themselves way too seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of the worst qualities that people have. Like, you just, if you just can't take a joke or you just can't accept the fact that you're not as good as you thought you were, as smart as you thought you were. It's like, dude, I fuck up all the time. The only, when I make a huge mistake, I can just laugh. That's, that's it. What am I going to do? Like, beat myself up? Like, jump off a fucking building? Like, right. you just got to take it on the chin and move on. And that's one thing martial arts is good for. You have that disposition about you, which is just, like, to deflate situations with humor, which I always appreciated about you because the nature of our profession tends to be very serious. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be that way, right? This is why I think you have a successful gym. You have a sense of humor. 
and even the training itself. I've been to your gym. I've watched you teach classes. I've trained with you. There's a levity and like a fun. Uh, it's it's fun. It's supposed to be fucking fun. Yeah, it's supposed to be fun. If it's not fun, what are you doing? Right. Like you're coming, again, we talked earlier, you're coming in here, you're getting your ass kicked on your free time. Most people aren't <laughs> professionals. Right. Like 99% of people are training for a hobby. If you're taking it so seriously, it's just like, oh, God, just relax, everybody. Have fun. If it's not fun, what are you doing? Yeah. Wasting your time, you know? Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, so let's get to the other thing we want to talk about with the UFC. So I, God, I don't want to get sued. I should say, I, I might hear from someone's lawyer after this podcast, but I don't give a fuck. No one knows me anyway. So I want to talk about the, the drama at the UFC gym and the allegations, mm-hmm. the alleged fake brown belt there. I asked you before the podcast if you heard the story, and you said that you followed it very closely, yeah. which I think a lot of people in Singapore do because this is, like, this is like law and order for us, dude. This is like reality TV. If you're in the martial arts community hearing stories like this, and uh, our friend, Alvin, your student, he trains with you, right? Uh, well, he's, he trains with me, and he also trains with, uh, we're both students of Leke. Mm. So I'm kind of maybe more senpai than, than sensei, you okay. know, in that, in that case. Anyway, he came here and, and trained with me last week. And uh, as soon as the whole story broke, I sent him a message. And then uh, I was like, I want to talk to you about it. And then he came here and trained. And then we, we chatted more. And uh, so I'm going to get Alvin on the podcast next week to sort of have the whole discussion about this story. And just to set it up, and then I want to hear your take on it, Major. So Alvin released this Facebook post that kind of went viral. I guess for Singapore, you would call it viral, about this instructor that the UFC gym hired, and they were questioning his... He was wearing a brown belt, right? And they, everybody was questioning his technique. And it wasn't him. It wasn't him necessarily. There were older posts. And yeah. uh, there was a Reddit post that got put on maybe last week, mm-hmm. that kind of went viral again. And uh, I actually went through that, and I saw that there were older posts about this guy, even before Alvin posted anything. Oh, yeah. And, uh, so this w- and it was not him. So there were other people that were commenting that saying, that this, I'm not going to name them because I don't want to get yeah, into there's, that. Yeah, there's other like, Facebook groups that I'm in, like Jiu-Jitsu, Facebook, like Jiu-Jitsu Singapore kind of groups, and they, they were posting about this guy months ago. Like this guy, it's like an ongoing thing with this guy. So I think that's a really important point to mention because yeah. – Alvin is not the person who broke the story. Mm-hmm. His post, for whatever reason, kind of went viral. And I guess that got the UFC gym's attention. Right. And then because of that, he was talking about how this person is not qualified. And I'm going to make a few points before we go any further. And the first point is just because a black belt gives you signs off on a certificate does not mean that your skills pay the bills. And this guy released a copy of his certificate saying that he got a brown belt and he had a Brazilian sign off onto it. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you without divulging too much information that I'm speaking to the coaches that signed off on his certificate. I'm WhatsApping them to try to talk to them. And I'm asking them things like what, not only did they give him that certificate, but what were the criteria mm-hmm. and how often did, did he train with these Brazilians? And so that's just a little bit of it. But for me, the point is that this story had been going on and you, you were on that thread, right? You saw, you saw those, those comments. Mm-hmm. The community in Singapore is really small. The instructors all know each other. If you're a brown belt, at least, black belt, anybody, everybody knows everybody. Right. We've been in this community for seven, eight years. And every, all the people that are posting on those, those comments, there are at least five instructors, highly qualified people that I know. And this guy is releasing technique videos. And you can clearly see that his techniques are not up to snuff, plain and simple. 
and he released the videos. And then as soon as the, the controversy started to hit him, he deleted all of them. And the people that say that his techniques are not up to snuff are people that I trust. They're right. people that are qualified to actually make that decision. And it was universal. I have not found a single person that trained with that guy that can vouch for him. Not a single one. And I just want to get your take on... And one more thing, just to give the story its full parameters. So Alvin released this, and then the UFC gym, in a terrible PR move, decided <laughs> that they were going to say, you're going you're to hear from our lawyer for him releasing the information. And they got really shitty with him and saying, okay, let you laugh now, but you'll hear from our lawyer soon. On his public post. On his public post. Yeah, not And a it good was move. the UFC gym Singapore that posted it. Yeah. I mean, first of all, what a PR disaster. That's this is the entire <laughs> yeah. martial arts community in Singapore going out against this guy. And your move is to cover your gym's name, criticize him, and say you're going to see our lawyer? Bitch move. Like, yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. It's just not a smart move, you know? It's not a smart move at all. But So what's your take on this? Okay, so here's the thing, man. Like, I know we, we're the guys, like, when somebody like that steps up, right, it's like, We've been, we've been in this for, what, 15 years? You and I were purple belts at the same time. We're brown belts at the same time. Like, probably should have been black belts at the same time. But, you know, like, I'm, I'm coming up on my, my first degree already, and this guy is, is sliding into the scene, like, doing, doing whatever. But here's the thing, man. Why is the jiu-jitsu community so, um, so much more on the ball with this kind of stuff? How many, how many fake MMA coaches are out there that don't deserve to be there? Bro, I bled for MMA <laughs> to learn the stuff that I learned. I got knocked out. Literally Jiu bled. Jiu-jitsu, I got cranked a little bit. MMA, I got knocked out to, to, to know what I know, you know? And there's, there's a bunch of guys who've never been in a cage who are teaching classes. A bunch of guys who don't know anything at all about anything who are teaching. And the same thing with Muay Thai. There's guys who probably like walked out of my beginner class and then opened up a gym or walked out of my beginner class, went to Thailand, did a weekend crew course or level one teaching course or some nonsense like that and they're they're teaching people now you know like why why is anybody calling these guys out there are more of those guys than than with the jiu-jitsu community than, than with uh i mean there's a hundred there's hundreds of those guys yeah for sure but jiu-jitsu is very very protective of of a criteria that doesn't exist they're very protective of of you know like okay you're a brown belt i'm a brown belt but what does it mean? We're from two different schools, right? Like, this school has There's this criteria. There's an objective measure, though, right? This is the point. Okay, so what's the objective measure? What is, a, what is a universally a brown belt? Because I, I, I only have one objective measure, and that's for a black belt. And to me, a black belt should know, across the board, how to tap to any submission. That's why it's bullshit that they don't have heel hooks in IBGGF. Just putting that out there. By the way, that's saying. a beautiful thing you just said. <laughs> yeah. That that's the number one criteria. Yeah. That's how I know that you're a fucking qualified instructor. That's, yeah. that's a really poignant and smart thing that you just said. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and to, to just pigtail on that, the community, when the jiu-jitsu community speaks, people should listen because this community is so insular. Right. Everybody knows everybody. By the time you've got to your brown belt, you've been training for eight, ten years, like whatever the number is. Right. A long time. Right. And we all know each other. 
And, you know, I see, for example, just shout out a few names. I saw my hair commenting on that thread. Yeah. And then I commented on that thread. And then I saw um, some people that I used to train at Evolve with commenting on that thread. And then I know people that were at the UFC gym. In fact, one of my students, I think I can say his name, Misha. You know Misha, the Russian? Yeah. yeah. You know yeah, Misha. Yeah. I just gave him his purple belt like two weeks ago. Oh, really? But he was a seven-year blue belt or something. Like, yeah. He trained at the UFC gym, and all of these people, and then uh, the instructor currently at Trifecta, he's a, a brown belt guy, a Brazilian guy. Mm-hmm. I know he's good. He trained at the UFC gym. You can see them in pictures together. All of these people were there. Not a single one of them ever trained with him. They were there. They, he, they trained there full time. No one ever rolled with this guy. The word is that he would only roll with white belts or girls, and he would never roll with anybody. How in the world is this guy a brown belt in Singapore, and nobody at this high level has trained with him? There's not a single person that's not a white belt or that's not some UFC gym person that has commented on it and vouched for this guy's quality. That is my number one red flag that's right pretty, there. That's pretty suspect. Because everybody trains together. Everybody trains together. But this man, there's evolved black belts that none of us have rolled with. That's true. But and, I mean, and they're obviously some of them are pretty legit. Yeah, there's people that can vouch for them. Yeah. Right. Well, I, yeah, I guess. But they're Hill and students, right? Yeah. But but I mean, you, you can see that they're legit. Like you you can watch them roll and right. They, yeah. If they put up a technique technique video, it's not bullshit. Yeah yeah yeah. I mean that's number one. Yeah. And then. So, the community itself, if they make a decision or they or they react in a certain way, just that alone, this is the point with the UFC gym and their terrible PR response. If the whole community collectively can agree, even the blue belts and purple belts who are not experts can see that there's something that's not right about this and your response is you're going to hear from a lawyer soon listen that's a whole community that's like hundreds of years of collective experience in that one post that alvin put on the black belts the brown belts the purple belts that were all saying that this guy's techniques are not up to snuff that's hundreds of years of collective wisdom that are saying that this guy's not there and then to have that terrible pr response just makes your point that much worse you know, yeah. and then on top of this, like the point has seemed to shift from is he a legitimate brown belt? In other words, did a black belt give him his brown belt to is he a qualified brown belt? And I think that's an important distinction to make because this will lead me to my next point, which I want to talk about because which is open source jujitsu. Okay. And open source jujitsu for people that don't know is like I can give you an example, right? My gym, Stronghold, is uh, we're affiliated with the Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood. And there are lots of open source jujitsu. Uh, a really common one is Globetrotters. Mm-hmm. Right, Globetrotters is a G- open source. BJJ Brotherhood is open source. And the purpose of open source jujitsu is to get people who don't have black belts around them mm-hmm. to be able to promote them through the ranks to be able to advance them and, and grow their gym. So I'll give you a personal story. I was with GF Team for a long time. Right, When I was with Trifecta, I was with GF Team. And basically the Trifecta that I had been a part of had mismanaged everything into the ground and pissed off all of the GF team guys that were here and a bunch of them left. And by a bunch of them, all of them, Mm. all of them had left and only two had stayed, me and Marcelo, right? And I'd only stayed for like a couple months. I left two months later. And when everyone left, our gym was told we could no longer be part of GF team. Now, I was a four-stripe brown belt. I'd been a four-stripe brown belt for years already, at that point, two years. So I'm on the the border and I'd been a full-time instructor. So I'm on the border of getting my black belt and then I basically get told that I can't be a part of GF Team anymore. And on top of that, Trifecta wasn't paying me, so I had to move. And then when I moved, I moved to a GF Team gym, thinking that it's good, the connection's there, right? Like, I'm GF Team, and then I moved to a GF Team gym. 
And then I found out that the instructor there didn't know that they were, I'll just fucking say his name, Pedro Falbo, didn't know, he's the head of GF Team Asia. He didn't know that I was moving to Malaysia. And me coming there was apparently a surprise to him. And he got pissed off because I was basically going to replace him. Even though the people that own Clinch, the gym that I went to, said, you can be like the figurehead. He's going to, because he wasn't teaching the classes. He was sending people in. He was sending blue belts to teach his classes that blue belts were in. Mm. Right? He wasn't, he just stopped showing up. And so they wanted to bring me in because I could teach the Muay Thai. I could teach the Jiu-Jitsu. I could teach everything. And they would kind of let him be the figurehead and he could do the promotions. And I would just be the guy running the classes on a day-to-day basis. Right? And when I came in, I got kicked out of GF team. And then I sent my instructor a message being like, dude, what the fuck? Am I kicked out? What's going on? And then I get a message from the admin person of GF team Asia saying that you and all of your students cannot affiliate with GF team in any capacity. So I got kicked out again. And then I want to come here and open up my gym, but I'm still a brown belt. And I've been a brown belt now for six years and I've been teaching full time for seven. Even as a purple belt, I was teaching full time. And open source jujitsu is designed for people like me who, whether they fall through the cracks, whether the teachers leave, you know, my instructors moved back to Brazil. What am I supposed to do? They all left. It's tough, bro. You're a four-strike. Who's going to take a four-strike brown belt on as a student? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and this is also the reason why it's really tough for me because I have to restart with a new instructor 15 years into jiu-jitsu as a four-strike brown belt. Yeah. It's a tough sell for anybody, right? So I'm basically in this position where it's very hard for me to, you know, I dream about getting my black belt since I was 16 years old. Yeah. And then to find a new instructor 15 years in as a four-stripe brown belt, it just feels shitty and yeah. dirty. Because you have this image in your head of like developing a relationship with an instructor. And then that one day they're going to give you the belt. And then it's like all of this culmination of work. And I'm not going to have that. Mm-hmm. You know, even if I were a jiu-jitsu brotherhood. And I really like the head of our program. He's talked to me. We're friends with him. He can sympathize with my situation. Mm-hmm. But there is just no doubt that I'm going to have to receive this from a person who doesn't train me full time. And this leads me to my next point is that when you pay people to train and to give you belts and to promote you and to go through the process, you're going to get people like me. And I'll give you another quick anecdote. I had a guy, Ollie on the podcast, a four star brown belt. Also, he filled in for me when I went home to visit my mom. He told me that his instructor was a brown belt for 20 years, 20 years. Jesus. Same thing. He'd run, he'd run a school for like 10 years. Right? He'd been running the same school, but nobody promoted him. And then Nick, the head of BJJ Brotherhood, went in and gave him his black belt after 20 years of being a brown belt. Out, uh, open source jiu-jitsu is designed for people like that, who slip through the cracks, who actually deserve it, and who have the right to own an academy, have the skill set. But then you'll get people like this guy, who seems like he can pay people, Brazilians who maybe can't afford it. You bring him to say, I don't know what the situation is. I'm not going to put a story on it. Right. But... You have enough money. You pay people to come in. They will validate you quickly. You write them a check. They go home. And it seems to be like to me that that is what happened based on what I know. Is that he paid some people. He got a new belt like every year. You know, and no one knows. No one's trained with this guy. And he basically seems like he paid for the rank. And is it legit? It seems like an actual Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt signed off on it. But, but. Okay. Is it, is he more in the spotlight because he teaches? Because. I know there are gyms that do belts by time or by attendance. And to me, if you do belts by time or attendance, you've taken the meritocracy out of it. And that's what jiu-jitsu was supposed to be about, right? Before it went commercialized, it was about the meritocracy. Like, you can actually beat some ass if you need to. You know what I mean? That's why this is better than the other ones. This is why it takes a decade to get a fucking black belt, right? But if you give me a belt because you showed up 
and then sat in the corner when everybody was rolling and coached the other white belts. Ah, what does it mean now, right? So, yeah, I don't know. I think that that's, we're seeing a lot of that. We're seeing a lot of that everywhere, especially in commercial gyms. And if I'm not mistaken, I, I mean, don't quote me on this, but I think that is like a UFC model way of doing promotion. That's the way they actually do promotions in their gym. It's just like attendance-based. Like once you've come to a certain number of classes, you get this belt, right? But what does it mean? What does it mean if you just, all you have to do is show up? Okay, so do you think then, do you think that there are people that cannot ever get a black belt because their skill level will just never be there? Or do you think if they show up enough, you will get there? I think that, okay, here's what I think. I think that if you, if the person's showing up, I had this conversation with, with Dan Reed uh, a while back. We were talking about, like, who's the longest white belt you have that's trained regularly? And by regularly, like, three times per week. It's a good, it's a good talking point. Right. And we both kind of agreed that if the person had been coming for three times a week for two years and they're not a blue belt, that's our fault. That's about the thing. That's exactly the number that I had in my head, too, yeah. was two years, three yeah. times a week. Three times a week, two years. If you're not a blue belt for, after training three times a week, two years, no injuries, no bullshit I have finals every three months, and I need to take two months off, you're solid. For two, for two years, three times a week, if you're not a blue belt, it's my fault. <laughs> Quite honestly, it's your instructor's fault if you're not a blue belt at that point, you know? Yeah, because at a certain... Okay, so, but blue belt is slightly different because we're talking about mastery, black belt, right? Okay, so right. So just, I mean, I think your point is accurate completely, and I 100% agree with you. Right. But let's take it to the, the, the furthest degree, right? Let's say that you're consistent, right? I mean, I've met some students that train a lot, a lot, mm -hmm. and they're just not going to be as good as some other students. Should those people still be able to get their black... Let's say that they can't... Let's say that they can't beat the average purple belt. Athletic skills, maybe disability even, right? Let's mm -hmm. take it... We can go in the weeds here a little bit if we try, but yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying we should. But, you know, whatever the case is, physical disability, mental disability, uh, just athletically not there, but they train consistently, put in the year, but they can't even beat some blue belts or purple belts. Do they earn a black belt? Okay, I think there are a lot of different jars. And this is controversial, I should say. Well, I think there, there are a lot of different areas. Uh, I think there are a lot of different areas that you, that you pull from, right? And you pull a little bit from each area and you try to fill the jar. And once the jar is full, then I think you reach that belt. So one of them is like... Um, maybe competition, right, or, or performance-based, right? One of them is maybe technical knowledge. One of them is, like, how good of a training partner is this person, you know? Yeah. Like, obviously, you can't just be a competitor and then be a coach because you're a great competitor. Like, if you can't, explain, yeah, if you can't explain things, if, you, if you're only able to do the moves that you do <laughs> like, and you don't know anything outside of that and those moves require a, a large amount of athleticism, you're not gonna be a very good coach, you know? And if you're only able to like talk your nonsense, you can't walk any of it, that's gonna be a problem too. But you need to have some balance of those things, All right? Okay, so then, so, okay, just as a professional, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not trying to put you out there or anything like that, but what's your take on this situation with, with a guy? At, you've seen some of his technique videos, you, you follow the, the, the threads of this guy, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, without saying anything that you don't feel comfortable saying, what's your take on this situation? What's your assessment of the skill set and of the argument for or against his brown belt? Because I think the argument is shifting a little bit. When we were young, it was fake black belts. It was people that just lied about it. Mm -hmm. I think as time goes on, it's going to be less of that, and it's going to be more like this, open source type situations. People getting black belts from people that can't, you can't really vet, and that they're legitimate people that gave them, but maybe they didn't train them but right. they still signed off on their certs 
and stuff like that because as time goes on and on and on, you're not going to get so much straight out fakery. Instead, mm. it might be more what seems like this shade of gray, mm. you know, which is like he's not doesn't seem to be fake. His instructors will admit they signed off on it, but you can see that the skills don't match the quality that Singapore community has deemed to be what's expected of a brown belt. Now this is this is what we're seeing in MMA. It's what we've been seeing in boxing, right? And then the problem is that um, only people in the community would would know that. I mean, if you if you had if you set a bunch of guys here at a table, that guy, you and I. And then the world-class guys that we've trained under. We both trained under some world-class guys, right? You set them here at the table. Who's going to make the beggar, better argument that they're, that they're legit? I'll tell you for sure, the guys that I train with, they're going to come in dead last. <laughs> they're just yeah. too humble of guys. And they're going to – I mean, they, they would smoke both of us and that guy too probably, right? Mm. But they're not going to appear to be as good because they're not going to be able to talk that talk, right? That guy might actually be a better talker than both of us, you know? And that's, that's kind of the problem is, like, where, where do we – how, how do you standardize something? How do you make so it so subjective, that, right? How do you well, standardize? I mean, everybody in the community knows. Everybody in the community can see. Like, it's quite obvious. That guy, I mean, you look at a skill set. It, I would say if you, if you were to combine a standard and average it out on what each belt is, that guy would be not even a blue belt. You think that? 100% not even a blue belt. I'm glad you went at least there. and you. No, I went specific. there. I, I went thought there. you were going to duck the question for a second. No, I'm, I'm not going to duck lie. the question. <laughs> but I will say, though, is that... Their their argument is that he's not their he's not the jiu-jitsu coach there, he's yeah. just a guy who he was the Muay Thai coach, which I think his Muay Thai is terrible too. Did, I was yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. God damn it, Major! I'm so yeah. glad that you're on the podcast. No, his Muay Thai is terrible too. Thank like, God! I uh, he's also Jesus Christ! His Muay Thai was bad. I saw him holding pads and it just looked terrible. I yeah. mean, it's just. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> no, it, it is what it is, bro. Even like, I was riding the fence more than you. I thought I was going to have to pry something out of you, but you just went there. I'm, no, I'm glad, it, man. It, it is what it is. Like. Because this is the, you, the integrity but, 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 of our... But the thing is, like, we've kind of, I wouldn't say we, but people have largely accepted shitty Muay Thai coaches. Like, there's weekend courses to be an instructor in Muay Thai. Weekend course. I spent 15 years of my life getting yeah. knocked out by fucking heavyweights. Yeah. There's weekend courses for this shit. That's, that, you know, like, how big of an insult that is? That's like a guy who's gone to medical school and is a surgeon and has gone through his residency, works in a hospital... And some guy took a fucking first aid course and is pushing him out of his job. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Like, that's, that's what it is. It's literally yeah. what it is. And nobody, nobody gives a shit unless it's jujitsu. And the thing about jujitsu, now it's come into such a gray area. It's like, okay, this guy had somebody, he obviously paid somebody to give him legitimate paperwork. Mm. But is he on the universal level? What is the universal level? Like, uh, yeah. there's so many things, right? And only the jujitsu yeah. guys get flared up about it. But I'm like, dude, man, like, jujitsu. You know why? I think why that's the case is because you've seen the resurgence, not resurgence, the, the surge of these box fit, cardio fit, moi fit type things where there will be some fucking white chick on the stage that's like, punch, punch, kick, knee, elbow. And you're like, yeah. And they're fucking teaching yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. And those people are instructors. Yeah. When it's not the same as like martial arts specific training. And like, this is the thing. Let me, let me just explain this to everybody who's listening. There's two processes that happen. There's one is gaining the skill set. Now, after you gain the skill set does not mean you are a good teacher of that particular skill set. It just means you have the personal knowledge. Your ability to communicate that knowledge starts back at white belt. So like just to give a, an analogy, right? Let's say I get a, I'm a black belt in jujitsu. I'm not, but let's say I get one. 
right? If I get one and I've never done any teaching, but I'm good at applying those moves to other people, even other black belts, that's cool. Okay, that's the baseline for my ability to do those skills. Now, if I want to teach that, that shit resets it white. Teaching is its own thing. Right. And there are people that are on that spectrum of are more naturally skilled at teaching, and some people are terrible at teaching. And, mm-hmm. you know, the meows, for example, kind of have a rep. They don't teach classes. They have a reputation of they are world-class black belts. Make no mistake about it. Like, unquestionable. Mm-hmm. But would you want them teaching you and a formal teaching 20 students surrounding them? How, how, what is their skill level to articulate that, to make a, their game universal to the heavyweights and the skinny girls and the people with short legs and long legs? And it's not black and white like that. Now, that's just which technique applies to which body type. That doesn't even include what's your ability to speak. Are you clear? Are you concise with your instruction? Like, just the fact that you're wearing a black belt does not mean that you're a black belt in teaching. 100%. And just the skills alone does not mean you're a good teacher. That shit resets with how much you've been teaching. When I first started teaching, I was shit. Mm-hmm. But I was a teacher even before I was a martial arts teacher. Right. And I can tell you that that was a real skill that paid off for me later on in life. Because oh, I'm not a black belt. But yeah. I know that I'm a better teacher than some of the Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts that I've met over my time. Yeah. Well, I think we have, we have an unfair advantage in that sense because we were both teaching in international schools before, or at least during like our intermediate belt levels, you know? I think that's why I relate to you so much because you're, you're a coach. It's just fucking on you. Like you ooze instructor, professor. Like it's just something that about Mm. you, your disposition. But I think also that we were teachers first, both of us while we were grinding and then we'd leverage that into a teaching martial arts with our skills and everything. And it's just something that you know, I can pick up on that vibe, and I knew that from you early on. And I've trained with some people that were wearing a black belt that could not teach shit. They'll try to teach a Baron Bolo in a white belt class with 10 white belts around. I mean, yeah. it's just like shit like that. Like, just doesn't make any sense. And I think going back to the point of these Muay Thai coaches, same thing. Like, holding pads <laughs> like, is a fucking art form, mm. right? Like, and being able to explain even something as nuanced as the difference between what it's like to hit a pad holder and hit a person. Mm-hmm. Like if you're holding pads for me, they're out here and then the kicks are here and it, it's very different than sparring 100%, and hitting yeah. a body. Right. And part of the coach's job is to distinguish that. And I think this sort of new age Muay Thai box fit, cardio fit, cardio, that kind of shit has bastardized striking disciplines more than say something like jujitsu, which requires a body to actually do it with you. Unlike, like, on the stage, step, one, yeah, two, yeah. three, can, elbow, you, knee, jump, skip, yay, yeah. everybody, like, you know, that kind of shit that you see. You can, you can fake it a little bit easier in Muay Thai, mm. because you don't have to, like, who's going to spar full? You don't have to spar full, every day. Who's going to spar full, full power every day, right? So, you can fake it a little bit easier, but we can roll, we can find out. There's no question. Yeah. This is the thing with this guy, right, with this guy. Who has he rolled with? Find me a quality person who can vouch for Listen, seriously. Singapore community, find me a brown belt who can vouch for his brown belt, and I will take back all my accusations. Come train with me. Come train with him. Mm-hmm. Fucking, if he went to your gym and he rolled with you and you could vouch for his, would you take back everything? I just would said you be honest? Was, well, I'd say he's still a terrible teacher. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, the, but the quality of the belt itself, yeah, the I've skills. I've never rolled with him. To be fair, he might be a ninja. Who knows? But if, if he came like, to your gym yeah. and you rolled with him and you were, you were like, you know what? Yes. 
Oh, I, I would. Would I you would say vouch it? for him? I'd vouch for him at least. Yeah, I would too. But dude, he's he's legit. I like, would too. And I think almost nobody. This is the thing about this guy, right? He's all in coaching, obviously. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that's that's yeah. clear. Yeah. Jesus Christ. But maybe he's maybe he's got some super gorilla strength or something. You know. This is the thing about this guy, right? If all of those people posting on the social media, like Singapore, is not the type of place where people are trying to shit on each other for the sake of shitting on each other, right? It's just not about that here. Like, if anyone. That's not a white belt or a blue belt that has competed and actually can vouch for his skills. Let me know. Mm. Hit us up or come here or train with us and we'll take it all back. And then the UFC can <laughs> remove their fucking cease and desist or whatever. But the UFC yeah. gym, because By I just haven't had a that's, single person. That's, that's a total like rich guy dick move. On my behalf? Or? No, no, no. For, oh. for, for, for like <laughs> in, in rich, general, bro. like. like you say like it's libel or it's slander or whatever. It's just like, dude, what it really is is you've got more money to battle this out in court. Yeah. And you don't like what you heard. And that's ultimately what it's going to come down to, you know? Like even if I was 100%, I could say that shirt is blue. And you'd be like, fucking slander, fucking libel. Yeah. If I have 100 million to prove to you yeah. this shirt's not blue, it's slightly yeah. off blue, then your fucking ass is going to. Yeah, I, I can't afford the retainer fee. Like yeah, I exactly. guess, like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to like settle out of sight of court or take my words back or something like that, right? That's just a total bully move. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's what's going on here. And You see it all the time, though, because the systems were set up for rich guys, by rich guys, to stay in power. Like, otherwise, it would be like a, an impartial court system. Like, okay, we just randomly get assigned lawyers in the dark. <laughs> like, yeah. And then that's how it is, and it's going to be settled in one day. But it's not. It's like whoever can afford to pay more and keep the shit rolling more until the other person bleeds out, that's who wins. I mean, you and me, for example, are we're kind of homegrown gyms, right? Right. We don't have investors with millions we're, right. we're just not that right we did our work we were teachers before we saved up we get people around us to help us we, we started from there and we did it the, the proper path right but the point is is like when you get people that have the money to throw it could you imagine if you're if team highlight reel your official instagram or facebook posted something like that saying i'll see you you're gonna hear from our lawyer oh you'll be laughing soon that shit is so petty it's so gross considering what the universal response was from the community that you're a part of. Yeah. Like the UFC gym in Singapore is part of the Singapore martial arts MMA community. And to, to say that when the whole community, doesn't matter the gym, there were people from Evolve, there were people from Highlight Reel, there were people from, from Stronghold, there were people from all these gyms that were universally saying that this guy is not qualified. And then to have that response is not something that you and me could do without coming across as total fucking cunts. Like, there's well, just no that's way. That's because we are a part of the martial arts community. Those people are not, right? So they, they have maybe like a, a high level of confidence. They're going to be able to pull in people on the boxer size angle or just people who are not in any way connected to the martial arts community, which is, which is pretty okay also, actually, because they'll go there and they'll be like, this kind of sucks, and then they'll come to a... a Regular gym. Did you see my hair's <laughs> comment about yeah. the UFC gym's Google rating? Yeah, I saw that. I, I saw like a lot of the. Go ahead, explain it real quick. What's that girl? Okay, so so, so basically, <laughs> like, by the way, on. I want to get my hair on the podcast. My hair, if you're listening, I'll, I'll tag you. I'll tag you in the clip. Awesome, super, super podcast. smart, intelligent Dude, guy. As awesome well. guy. Yeah. Fuck yeah, I'm totally gonna get him on. Yeah, but uh, basically, what it boils down to is like they, they had like a rating of like it was like one something out of five out of five, right? On Google, which is incredibly low. 
right? Because yeah. usually what you get is most people like if they're going to bother to rate it, they're gonna it's give your you community. A, they're going to give you a they're going to give you a five or a four, right? At least a four, right? And if they're a hater, they'll give you a one. But that's that's like probably like some bad experience that they had, or or maybe they're just a hater. But that's few and far between. Like yeah, like even YouTube videos have dislikes for awesome content, right? Yeah. But anyway, this they had like a rating of one point something, and then overnight it bumped up to like 2.6 or something like that. All these comments from Brazilians in Portuguese, I don't think they're training with uh, the UFC gym if they're Brazilians and they're, they're speaking Portuguese. But, you know, that's just my personal uh, Yeah, all the Brazilians going to UFC gym Singapore randomly yeah. to bump up their score. I, I'm and sure and that's rating happened. at the same exact time within the same exact hour. Right after all of this controversy hits. Right. Somehow all this controversy hits and their fucking score goes up. Yeah, <laughs> you know I've been told like you can like if you try to do stuff like that with Google like I've never tried to play any funny games with Google I just let it happen organically yeah. you know like I had um, Team Highlight Real we had we had one video that went like super viral Remember that was you showing the different types of uh, yeah, yeah different types of rollers right yeah, but yeah, I, yeah we've never we've never like played with the with the stuff like create bots to like our stuff mm. none of that weird stuff because I had a friend who's like dude if you ever do that and you get caught like you'll be on the blacklist for Google and. You, you won't be able to run a business anymore, you know? So I'm just curious, like, we'll just see how that plays out, I guess. Cause no, that video went viral because your personality is in it. That's what I mean, like, when I see that your, your personality in your gym is just, it flows. Like, when I saw that video, I was, and, and it, I saw how many, well, how many views did it get? You it's know? like 60,000 or something. 60, I mean, I just, I saw that and I was like, that's fucking major. Like, yeah. it just, it's you, which is why it was so popular. Yeah. And I just knew when I saw it that there's, there's no bullshit attached to that. There's no bots. Like, that's just organic growth yeah. coming from a fucking funny video that you made, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, that was hilarious with that, that UFC gym and their, their rating somehow went up despite all of this shit. And then, you know, there's some bullshit going on. Yeah, who knows, man? I, I think, th I mean, obviously, I don't think that overnight, that, I mean, this doesn't seem very plausible that overnight a bunch of people just, just woke up like, you know what I really like? UFC gym. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think that five, happened. Five, yeah, yeah. five. Like, I don't right think away. that happened, you know? Like, there's, there's times when you, like, okay, you get, there are times when you get surges when you're like, you know, you talk to your students, you're like, hey, you know, like, uh, do us do us like, some good and, like, uh, give us an honest review. Yeah. That's all you say. You don't say, I'm going to give you anything Please for Please give it. me five stars and get the fuck out of here. Yeah, nothing like that. Anymore. Just like, hey, man, can, <laughs> can you make a review? Like, just an honest review, right? Yeah. And obviously, like, they're probably going to give you a good review. They're your students that have been there. They, yeah. They keep coming back. Like, they don't, sure. you're not locking them into a, anything, right? So, yeah, they, they, they give you a good review. But this one is, is it's a little bit strange because all these reviews are in Portuguese. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like how <laughs> he pointed that out. My yeah. hair is so funny, dude. His fucking posts always make me laugh. Yeah. He's just, he's sharp, man. You can just tell that that guy's sharp. Definitely yeah. want to get him. Is he still a brown belt? He's still a brown belt. He yeah. should be a black belt, probably too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maher's he's slick, bro. He's yeah, slick. He beat me in a competition. Did he? Yeah, he's slick. He's yeah. slick for sure. Yeah. yeah, he's a good dude, man. I'm gonna get him on on uh, on the podcast for sure. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I think we'll wrap. I think well, how long are we gone? We're gone. We're just, are we two plus hours? Uh, yeah, two hours. Fuck yeah. All right. Nice, man. Yeah, good. All right. Well, let's let's. let's you got anything else you want to hit on before we? I'm listen. I can go. If you got anything you want to talk about, I'm willing. I'm drunk. I'm feeling good. <laughs> drunk and I'm feeling good. I don't know if I'm rambling or what's going on. Yeah. I'm starting to swear all the time. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think we better we better call it a day before we go to jail. Yeah, we were we were talking about some shit in the break that is not due for public consumption. Right. <laughs> we were That's saying happens, some straight man. up offensive shit. 
Uh, yeah, I'm good too, man. We can continue to drink after this, though, and then we can yeah. get a little dirty again. Yeah, right, Start right. saying shit that these people can't hear because uh, we'll go to jail. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right. All right, everybody. So this is uh, what what episode was eight, on? I'm eight, eight, lucky number it. eight. See, I'm drunk. I don't know what the hell's going on anymore. Yeah. This is Stronghold Podcast episode eight. Major, give him your shit, dude. Highlight reel. Plug that shit. Highlight reel. Like, so how do you how do you plug it? Like highlight. I don't know your social oh, right. media, highlight, your Instagram, highlight, team highlight reel, your business, team your highlight reel dot com, uh, team highlight reel sg uh, on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, do, you, uh, <laughs> do you have a cool? I want to ask you because. I feel like I talk too much on these fucking things, and half the time it's because I'm drunk. So I, <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, do you have a cool story or anecdote of, like, training or with me or with anyone or that you want to give before we bounce? Because I just want to ask more questions. I was told to give that as a, as a note to ask that I should ask question. more questions. I think it's a good one. I see one of my – probably one of my favorite uh, training memories with you specifically was the fact that, you know, you've got that really good guillotine, right? And uh, – uh, but I've got, like, I, th I consider myself a master of poker. <laughs> I don't play poker, but I consider myself a master of poker. And, like, you know, a lot of times you'd catch that guillotine, and it'd be on, bro. It would be totally on. But I would just kind of, like, like <laughs> show my like, face to the camera. Yeah, just, you that, that was your fucking face. I know exactly keep, what you're talking keep about. Keep a cocky face. Keep a cocky face. Like, and you're like, you're like, ah, oh, ah. Oh, you let go, and you're like, ah. Oh. And then afterwards, I'd be like, like, hey, man, you fucking had that guillotine. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was totally just playing poker face, you know, like. But then you, you kind of caught on to what I was oh, doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was getting ready to say, yeah. I hope you'll continue the next story because the next story I learned. Yeah, yeah, I learned yeah, yeah, I had yeah. you in a submission and you were like looking at me like, no big deal. And I'm like, fuck you. I'm not letting go this <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, Oh, that's a great yeah. story. Yeah, that's how we were training it. That was for Boku. Right? Yeah, that was, we were, for, it was for Boku. Yeah. yeah. That, was a, that was a fun camp, man. Dude, that, that, was, was, that was one of the most fun camps I ever had. That whole yeah. experience was excellent. That's why yeah. I'm I w definitely wanted you on the podcast. But, yeah, yeah, you've got a poker face. I still tell that story to this day. I had you dead to rights. Yeah. And I knew I had you dead to rights. Oh, yeah, for sure. But then I look down at you, and you're like, you look bored. You know, you're just yeah. like, whatever, man. Losing consciousness. 100% losing consciousness. And I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? And then my arms start to gas. And, you know, you get to that point when you're applying a submission where yeah. you have to make a decision. There's a trade-off, right? You're like, okay, there's still three minutes to go in this round. If I burn my arms out now, he's on top of me. I'm going to get punched in the fucking head. Right, like, right. But I feel like, it, and I don't know, and then I just gave up because I wanted to save myself, and then I'm getting wrecked in the head and shit. Yeah. And then uh, the next time next time I managed to get you in a decent bite, I was like, I'm going to go all out. I, <laughs> yep. yeah, I'm not, I don't care if you look bored. I don't care if you're yeah. disinterested. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have showed my hand. That's, that's, that's the problem. I showed my hand. Your mistake with your poker face was telling me you had a poker face. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, it was the funny thing is I, I, I flip it around. I do the other thing. Like, sometimes if the choke's not on, I'll start making wheezing noises. I'm, and, then, and then I'll get them to burn their arms out. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Genius, see? Yeah. That's how you're a black belt, man. Yeah. That's just how I know you're, you're a fucking black belt. It's a fact. Dude, this was awesome. It's great. I yeah. really enjoyed this. Let's do it again. You're invited anytime, man. I'm always happy to do this. Let's do it. Yeah, I think every time I talk to you, you have really useful insights you just have wisdom that's <laughs> unlike some people from ufc gyms that's gained <laughs> over years of experience and just uh you know real talking to real i can see it when you talk when you train your just your gym is one of the most successful in singapore i think with the amount of time given it's probably the most i see your classes dude that shit is full like you've expanded even in just a couple years like now owning a gym i can see the struggles like on from a first-hand basis of what it's like to be a gym owner it's not easy and yeah. we were talking before the podcast about how I'm not trying to suck your dick, dude. I'm just saying we were talking before the podcast about 
the struggles. And I remember when you first opened up Highlight Reel and going to get drinks and shit, and you were just like strapped, and you were working seven days a week, and you were just struggling. And I'm kind of in that spot now. And then now to see you be successful, it's like one of those things where I just can see, you know, if I keep focused and I, I work, I can see that it's possible, you know, because you burst, you burst on the scene, bro. I remember, I remember you fighting in one and calling your team, Team Highlight Reel, because Evolve and they wouldn't let you rep Juggernaut back in the day. Yeah. And so you called yourself Team Highlight Reel before you ever even opened a gym. That was actually a reference to something even older, though. So give us that story. <laughs> okay, so it was, uh, I think it was probably, what, 2012, 2011, somewhere in there. Remember the old impact where Ron came from and Chris and with all the those? With the K, guys? right? Yeah, yeah, with the K. Oh, those, yeah, dude. So those are my original homies Keith right there. Keith and Ron. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That was Chris Tang too, right? Yeah, Chris Tang, all those guys. So, impact with a K, shout out. Yeah, so now, yeah, even those guys are doing great, man. Like even Hong Yao back in the day. Uh, now he's the national team uh, captain. For the wrestling, for, for right? For wrestling, yeah, yeah. yeah he was just here. Yeah. Is that is that the guy that was just here last week? He might have been, probably. Okay, yeah. Go ahead, and then I'll show you his picture. Really yeah, quick yeah, but he was, he was one of my students back then, and so it was just like him and couple other young guys, Nick Lee. Um, oh, yeah. 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 Shout-outs, dude. Shout-outs. Yeah. So we were, we were doing um, – we were training MMA, but they didn't really want to have MMA because MMA is not profitable because it's fucking hard, and, it, and it's uncomfortable. You know? And it takes so much diversity of skills. Yeah, it does. People want to do jiu-jitsu because they don't want to get hit. People want to do Muay Thai because they just want to sweat. But, like, when you go deeper into it, nobody wants to do MMA because it's fucking hard. So we were, we were – I was like, all right, guys, fuck it, man. Like, let's – this is my passion. Like, I don't care if I'm getting paid for it or not. Like – Meet me at this off-peak time. We'll train. I'm like, I'm like, so they're like, all right, so is it like a class? And I'm like, no, it's not a class, man, because like they're letting me like teach you guys here. You were a purple belt at that point? Yeah, yeah. I was like, but, you know, this is not really impact. This is more like, this is more us, bro. This is just us. Like, this is not a part of a official curriculum or anything that's being paid for. This is just us. Just friends getting together yeah. training, right? Yeah, just friends getting together their training. And like, so like, what do you want to call it? What do you want to call it? I'm like. I'm like, I don't know, man. I feel like we're kind of the, this is kind of like the highlight of the gym to me. I'm like, oh, like, like, like when we're on a highlight reel. I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, we're like basically team highlight reel. They're like, oh, yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, it's kind of stuck, you know, we're like team highlight reel. Like the highlight of your week, the highlight of your, of your day, the highlight of your existence, you know? So that yeah, was kind of what it was. Because we yeah. always like the flashy shit, you know? Yeah, like the, yeah, fuck yeah. No, I love that about you. I remember even when you, when you were training for Boku. Like, you were always keen to do, like, 5 to 10% of your training at the end. You're doing wheel kicks. And you're doing, <laughs> yeah. like, we're fucking around. Yeah. You are talking about jumping off the cage and just playing. Yeah. Right? I mean, even, like, when I would roll with you, I always found that, like, first of all, your, your traditional jiu-jitsu is really great. But you were, you're, when I rolled with you personally, I always found you most difficult in the weird positions in yeah. the weird positions yeah you, yeah yeah you had a fucking flavor about you it's mm -hmm. just you had this x factor that was unique to everybody that you roll with you know like if you roll with brazilians even if they fuck you up you're getting the classic brazilian yeah. you would do weird shit that is hard to train for that people don't do and it would just catch you off guard and like mm -hmm. all the times that you would catch me in a submission or something it was just like fucking weird and i'd never been caught like that yeah it's like the times that you submitted me was in shit i'd never been submitted with before so I always, yeah. the, you know, that sticks in your brain. Yeah. And I've thought about it many times before we would train. I'm like, fuck this guy. He's always <laughs> catching me with weird shit. <laughs> yeah. But that's but a beautiful story, man. That's fucking awesome because uh, the name suits you. It suits your style. It suits your gym perfectly. And it's a fucking cool story. Even going back from when you were Purple Belt at Impact with a K to see you now, it's fucking awesome, man. Yeah. All right, guys. All right. Good stuff. Stronghold Podcast. Find us, share us. If you enjoyed it, please share my shit because... 
I'm desperate. (laughs) (laughs) Just share. If you like it, please share Stronghold Podcast at Gmail if you want a message, if you want to come on the podcast. Lucas Leisure, Instagram, Facebook, Team Highlight Reel. If you're in Tanjong Pagar, train with this motherfucker. Peace out, everybody. Cheers.